What is that over there? Welcome back, everybody, to Phil's Recap and Review. I'm Phil the Issues Guy. This is for Game of Thrones, Season 2, Episode 3. What is dead may never die. What is dead may never die! How can something that is dead not die? It is dead. It has died. It is done and deceased. It's God. It's fucking God. It's like, like my respect for Theon. It's fucking God. God, he had the letter. He had the letter. Oh, well, we'll go. Oh, fucking little shit. But we're going to get to all of that, everybody. We are back. Joe and I are here to recap Game of Thrones Season 2, Episode 3. We're not alone. We have the motherfucking chat. All of our good friends, LaDonna Louise, Sam, KLC, Tim, a bunch of friends are in the chat getting ready to talk about this episode with us. And if this is your first time checking this out, Welcome to the family. Welcome. Come on in. We're going to talk about Game of Thrones for the next hour or so. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, and please check it out. If you have any questions or requests or anything like that, you can always email me at igetissueswithman at gmail.com. If you ever want to call in the show live or leave a voice message for later, you can always call at 781-990-8509. Follow me on Twitter at igetissuesman and check out issuesprogram.com for all of our shit. And if you like what you're hearing, please hit the subscribe button if you want. But, okay, Joe, here we are back at fucking Game of Thrones. What did you think of this episode as a whole? I definitely dug it. Um, there's some good moments. There's some really good moments in this in this episode. Um, I like it when Theon tries to stand up for himself and to his father and to Arya, or whatever her name is. <laughs> Asha. Asha. Yara and, uh, or Yara, uh, whatever, whatever you uh, want to call her. Yasha. <laughs> and uh, there's some good moments with Arya and our man from the Yorin. Yorin, it was really great. It was fun for me to see the Yorin stuff because of the whole books on tape stuff. I've That's one of the things that I've listened to more recently than I've watched. So it was good to see all of that again. A lot of little stuff I forget about the Arya Yorin relationship, at least on the show that the impetus for her list of people comes from him and in, in the, the end of this episode where he's telling her the story about the about the guy and singing his name every night like a prayer. You see the yep. ins- ins- Ooh, there it is. Yeah, you see the inspiration in her mind pop up there, and it's really cool. And as Tim points out in the chat, we have the Cersei crazy fucking train going on here tonight as well. We have, I love when she just pushes down Tyrion. And this is, again, we're going to say, this is going to be, we're going to be on repeat cycle from now on, pretty much to the end of the series to say, this was another great Tyrion episode. What a fucking Tyrion episode. I mean, pretty much every episode has been, like, throughout, like, even in the future, spoiler, they're all great Tyrion episodes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're all fucking great Tyrion episodes. And and this was one of my favorite, and I really love the whole interaction between him and the other people at King's Landing. I love how each one of them have a specific reaction to what he does and, and how they all take it. Varys being impressed by it and using it to suck some dwarf toes. I really like the first switch there when... Uh... The first, when when he's when that part happens, I like the first switch of character there. And we really get to know a little bit more about Tyrion and about how he's going to play this game. I I forgot how much I love this season and love and love watching Tyrion gain power for the first time and really flexing himself through it. And then what we see happen with Grandmaster Pizel is 
pardon the term, is fucking delicious. And just a great, great episode from beginning to end. And also, we are introduced to to Brienne in this episode, which we'll which we'll get to. And welcome to everybody in the chat. I also see Vaughn in there at a fan. Great to have all of you guys joining us today to talk about this Game of Thrones episode season two. As in the real in real life, we're finally at a point where they announced the when season six is going to come. So we're in the home stretch now to to watch it. And a couple What's things. The What's the start date for season six? I, I believe it is April twenty sixth. Someone in the chat can quickly correct me if I am incorrect about that. I do want to say something that we speculated before, but before we get too far into this episode about fear, fear, the walking dead. Yes. Fear the walking dead. Yes. In fact is starting a few weeks before game of Thrones and we'll be going up against game of Thrones. So that show wants to die. That show (laughs) wants to die. They want to die. It wants, it wants to be put out of its misery. It's going to happen. I'm sorry to even mention that on a game of Thrones cast, but it's important. They're basically saying, uh, we know our show isn't that good, uh, but there's a lot of people who don't have HBO. We'll pick up those people. And it is Ape. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Sam and LaDonna Louise. It is the 24th, not the 26th. And is that going to be enough people to keep the show alive? <sighs> Probably not. And I mean, because I. Because competing with all the people who don't like uh, these two genres anyway. So they're going to be picking up a very short percentage i would imagine especially this episode this season of game of thrones that's coming out is going to be really exciting because it's a full season of unknown material to book readers and show watchers alike it's going to be really awesome i just feel like i just wanted to touch about on season six a little bit in this and that whole silliness that's going to go on and one other thing first time in the chat welcome noreen hicks welcome so great to have you we're really pumped to have you and this is the first time in the chat and a couple other things i want to say before we get started i and it's about the crossover audience and all of that it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch Fear the Walking Dead fail in the hype. In anything, it's going to lose all new news. Once Game of Thrones hits the scene, it's anything else that's in well, entertainment media is going to I be. said I wasn't going to watch it, right? I said I'm done with it. I'm not watching Walking Dead Fear. But ultimately, yeah, I was going to watch it. Because <laughs> you know, it's, it's a Walking Dead universe thing. And I just kind of have to. And for as much bitching as complaining as I've done, there's a lot worse TV out there than that. Right. But but, but now but now you're not. It's done. But now but now it's it, it'll be relegated to on demand. You know, and I have a I have a large on demand file. So it won't be it won't be I won't be watching it live. We have a Sunday night that's already yeah, forget for and and that's enough of crap about that. But I I will say the same thing that Critch said in the chat. I'm desperate for a trailer of Game of Thrones now. And something I do want to point out that Ladonna pointed out in the chat. We all we also have to mention that to rest in peace to David Bowie, one of my favorite musicians. Oh, and it, it was it was it was a real really horrible news to wake up and hear today. But out of any way someone can go out, it's great that he went out dropping an album, knowing he was good, knowing he was gonna die. Shot a video, was able to fuck that fucking thing that took him. But for whatever it's worth, it was really awesome that he was able to go out in the way he wanted to go out through an artist, through 
delivering one last big artistic explosion in his new song and the new video and everything. It's it's almost freaking haunting to watch and tend to think about what happened. So I don't want to dwell too much on that other than to say rest in peace, David Bowie. You are definitely one of one of my favorite musicians of all time and he will be missed. I He's still great in concert up until a couple of years ago. Just a really amazing musician. Yeah. So, so, so to transition from real life horrors, let's go to Game of Thrones <laughs> horrors to uh, to Craster's Keep and the biggest horror show of all, Craster. Oh my gosh, Griffey four twenty, welcome! Holy shit, welcome everybody. See, and, and this at this moment right here. I do not understand the Bears' reaction. That was a big point in my notes here, he was, Joe. He was where he's not supposed to be. What, out in the woods, not at your house? Go fuck yourself. That's exactly where he's supposed to be. Oh, you give shelter to my rangers every now and then? Go fuck yourself. You're dead. We're going to make this a ranger post. Now go fuck yourself even more. How about that? <laughs> so how, about, how about that, right? Let's leave 30, 30 40 men here. At all times, let's make it another Ranger post beyond the wall. But, Cri but Joe, what Critch says is true. Craster's a godly man. <laughs> godly man, yeah, yeah. He's making sacrifices to to the gods beyond the. Fuck him. Fuck that bullshit. And I don't understand why the bear doesn't fucking completely just murder this dude. That was a big question I had at, after the this with this section for you, Joe. Was do you think that the bear is that Mormont is? Kissing Craster's ass too much was my question for you. Absolutely. There's no there's no reason for it whatsoever. I thought he should have died last episode uh, before this. Never mind. Now I definitely think they should he should have fucking killed Craster right then and there. Okay. Okay, Joe. We have we have the chat coming at you here. A couple questions. LaDonna says, yeah, Joe, but the Night's Watch knows that this is a safe place. And Griffey said, and screw work. And, oh, <laughs> welcome, Griffey. Vaughn says, then who's going to hold off the White Walkers? It's a concession that the Night's Watch gives. Uh, give, uh, Mormon explains that to John. So do you yeah, think it's a fair? Do you think it's a fair enough? He's not holding off the White Walkers. He's feeding the White Walkers an army. So you think he's basically taking the weapons and then selling them to the enemy? Ultimately, he's he's taking this. He's playing both sides of the coin it's in this situation. Just, it's not just whatever weapons or materials that they give him. It's the boys that he's sacrificing to the the you know others to, to the, the whites to the whites. That it makes no sense. He's he's feeding them what they what they need, and he's placating the the night. He's saying, "Hey, Night's Watch, you need me. You absolutely need me. We don't need you. It's a safe place. Sure, let's make it a safe place. Let's put 30, 40 men there. You know that uh, the king beyond the wall, Mance Raider, has no love for Craster. He's not there. Craster didn't join up with Mance Raider's ranks. He said, "Go fuck yourself, Mance. There's no love lost. Mance Raider's not going to be like, oh, you killed Craster. Yeah, but John knows the real enemy in this situation." Ultimately, everybody knows the real enemy, and Craster's been giving them baby boys <laughs> that they obviously need for some reason. So it makes no sense not to kill him. He's making say he's not making sacrifices. You don't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> and he's turn you around like you're a little bitch. He's throwing your men around, Rangers of the fucking Night's Watch and and stewards and shit. And like, really? 
Are you kidding me? No, that and shouldn't fly. To jump back in the chat, LaDonna says, but it keeps Crasher's area safe. Joe kind of hit on that. White Walker Seption says Adafan. KLC, uh, yes, this is the first Marjorie episode, I believe. I think it is. Yeah, Griffey says, yeah, and I wonder if there is anyone else that offers children for protection. Craster can't be the only one. Uh, we That was another point of notes that I wanted to get into here. That do you think, and I think it's obvious, and it's it goes... I. I want to say Mormont, I don't have the exact dialogue written in front of me, but I want to say Mormont says people like Craster help us out, meaning that there are other people like Craster, other people that do this. It isn't, he isn't the only person out there offering children to the White Walkers. This probably, no, it, no, it just means, I think he means more just like, Sometimes bad people help out the Night's Watch. Sometimes you have to I think to make both is true, Joe. I, I agree with you there. I do think there's other people out there doing it, though. I think I don't think Craster is the only one. He he can't well, be the he can't the be. We know of. He's the only one we know of, and that's just one of the examples of we're meeting him through the eyes of our characters. We're meeting someone we see doing this ultimate or on the show he's that also, he's also the only one that specifically talks about what he's doing and that we see what he's doing. That that's a vague reference that we need people like him. It could mean a lot of different things. And it's a pretty extreme thing that he's doing, having sex with all his fucking daughters, keeping them. Yeah, I'm not saying have. I'm not saying they're having sex with daughters. Let, let me wait. Wait one second. I'm not saying there's a lot of people out there. The other, yeah, that are that are giving giving their boys to the others. I'm not saying everyone's out there raising a family of bastard. No, no, boys are coveted in most but, but the but a lot of the people that live up in the north beyond the wall pray to the pray to those gods and they believe that the white walker god the great other or whatever it is is th they're very sympathetic so they're very easily i i just it's i know it's never been spelled out exactly but it's hard for, again it's hard for me to imagine that craster is the only one giving boys to the to the to the white walker i'm not going to say there definitely isn't anyone else that has given their male children or that the walkers haven't just taken uh children from other people and and gone away or slaughtered everybody or whatever the case is but uh, i do not understand or see the point from this point on to keeping him alive that's all i'm saying so, I don't really have anything else to say aside from Jon Snow should have fucking killed him himself. You think Jon Snow should have taken the sword? Don't drop your sword. Uh, I'll not drop your sword. I'll drop my sword right. Oh, you mean Craster? They should. He should have killed Craster. Yes. Okay. I thought you were talking about Mormon. They should have. No, God no! You don't kill <laughs> Mormon. Yes, would have swatted him like a <laughs> Mormon would have swatted him like a fly. If Jon Snow yeah, tried no, it. He should have killed Craster. Like at least you know, he just let Craster drag him through the fucking keep by his fucking ear <laughs> like bad boy bad boy john snow what are you doing man oh great discussion happening in the chat right now too <laughs> oh my goodness about about uh our boy theon and male clan uh critch says male clans that involved mating with daughters always kill sacrifice and banish sons so chances are there may be others is Maybe he has Ed or he's shooting blanks. Oh my gosh. Maybe he broke his vows and fucked up some shit. Good good discussion going on in the chat right now. Speaking of people that might shoot blanks, we meet Sam. Well, no. We see we see an interesting situation after the whole Mormon and John thing. We see Sam 
for about 10 seconds and then we go back is this where we go back to sam or is it later i'm sorry i'm scrolling through my notes because we kind of just talked about the craster and john discussion the only other thing to really bring up about that is mormont really tries to sell john on men like craster help us all out they helped your uncle out even though he's missing right now but they they helped him out they helped all these people out we need him and mormon also knows about the kids and knows about the sacrificing john kind of puts that to him he's giving away the sons and mormon's like yep i know shit happens so <laughs> and that i that's really fucked up to me i don't understand that now at this point you don't need him at all period i, I know it's a, Maybe it was a safe zone from wildlings as well before, but you know that that's over. They've all gone north with Mance, and then they're all coming south to you. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is, Joe? For whatever it's worth, when I first watched this, I was less – I'm kind of on your side with this. But I think part of it is – in this episode – we're all over the place with spoilers for future events. It's over with. Season six is announced. We can't do it anymore. We need to talk about perspective a little bit. So we have all of the future of knowing what happens with these motherfuckers even after the fact. So looking back, it's you even more are focused on the fact that you're on. I'm all about being on Jon Snow's side in this discussion right here. I'm like, dude. This guy is evil. He's servicing the enemy. Let's kill him and stop this now. Right. But I but I hear what you're saying. But in the moment when I first watched it, I don't think I was as intense about that. I guess that's all I'm saying. That having gone through all of Game of Thrones to that point to this point now, being in a post uh season five, episode eight world, I it's it's hard to it's hard to go back from that that mindset now having seen that right but but okay so our next scene is Samwell uh, let's jump in the chat quick quickly uh, what part are you guys up to in the episode of Sam uh, people in the chat will tell the second scene she's not list she has us in class she's watching us while she's in a class. But not, but not listening. We're right at the part where Sam ties up the horse. What are you a South African uh a mime? A sign languages? Sign languages, yes, yes. yes. The, the president has this to say. No. No sign language. <laughs> the, uh, the Night's Watch long ago displaced honor with tradition of honor. It's the tradition that they, that the other way at, that they look the other way at Craster and not ask what happens to the boys. Very interesting. And uh, let, so let's go, let's go on. I'm very curious about Benjamin as well, chat. Samwell prepares the horses. He sneaks up to Gilly, who already knows they're leaving. She thinks he shouldn't be talking to her, which is obviously true. Uh, now, Craster didn't lock up all the women folk. He kind of lets them just interact with the Night's Watch for whatever it's worth. And Sam and Gilly kind of set up their romantic situation. The The only thing I want to really say about this scene, because there's so much more Sam and Gilly we're going to have to talk about later, is I can so relate to Sam in this moment. I think all of us or a lot of guys or girls can relate that when you're young and you're, it's like your first relationship and you're, and I know this is whatever, might end up being his last too, who knows, first last, he's going to give away something that's like a special keepsake to himself, like the special family, like the only thing I have to remember my mother by, I'm going to give to you, Gilly, because, and I hardly know you and nothing really about you, but here, take this, please, I'm, it shows how earnest Sam is and how he's really going with his heart. But I love how Gilly kind of is just 
basically, no, no, I don't want to take that. Stay, keep that shit. He shouldn't. He's not having it. No, that he. She takes it. She only tries once. She's not like shoving it back into him. She's like, no, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. What a sweet boy. And he bows off. He like skips off. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He, he walks in. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that didn't work. Wrong track. <laughs> I'm so craven. <laughs> He's... It actually sounded a little bit like no, almost for half a second. It was the it was more the effect than me. Oh golly, <laughs> Sammy's just and as uh, Sam as Sam said about Sam in the chat, Sam is so adorable. He's the kind of person you just want to grab and pinch his cheeks. And I think I remember when you hated him, Phil. It, again, I'm a victim of the future. Having liking future Sam, it makes me more appreciate past Sam. That's awesome. Is it, does that make sense at all or about it's awesome because like I I really liked Sam right from the beginning you did you you, you were all about better. Sam right and his story to me only got better but for you you were like I don't like Sam fuck him he's a fucking craven little bastard <laughs> and now you're like oh he's fucking cute I like him he's, he's funny it's it's because of stuff that happened in future seasons with his man love for Jon Snow made me really get aboard him I still don't love Sam and Gilly shit I wrote I could uh, yeah I roll my eyes at that I, I like could. it a lot more and I don't want I don't want to be one of these people but I like it a lot more in the books I just don't I don't love I, I off well but maybe Maybe it might. Sorry, my uh, my my power switch went off. I got the blinking light of death. I, I maybe I'm gonna like it more in the upcoming season. It's because it seems to be more. We'll get a little bit more of that adventure. Yep. Anyways, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that guy. I like it better. It's. I don't know something about it in the show. I feel like we have precious time on the show that we've we've now slated that most likely this whole tale, tale is going to be done in eight seasons, and we've already had a fast forward and kind of quickly go through shit. It's and we're so we have so little time in each episode. There's certain episodes where stuff's been focusing on Sam and Gilly that I'm like, okay, guys, uh, the clock, clock, we're running out of time. Tick, tick, tick. Can we can we get to the next scene, please? Too much. Don't linger. Don't linger. And I guess that's my one minor minor issue with it for for if if any purposes okay so here we go uh let's jump oh welcome welcome jose so sam wants to give her something romantic gilly tells her he shouldn't give it away i'm not giving it away i'm giving it to you keep it safe for me till i come back and then as joe said he goes <laughs> and runs off skips off skips off so then we get we we cut over to some of those scenes that i I missed in season five because it's just great to see anything Hodor and Bran and especially seeing and seeing Winterfell. It's I love this section of this episode. And we we go to Winterfell. Uh, Hodor is sent up to Bran's room for his lessons. We see a point of view shot going through the castle. At first, it does seem like it could be Hodor that well, we're seeing. It starts before outside. Uh, it starts outside uh, and it's a camera angle low to the ground and it's coming straight at Hodor who smiles and says to, to the camera, Hodor. It's so cute. Very, very happy to see whoever that is. And then you hear the command for Hodor to go up and get Bran. It's time for his lessons. And the camera and Hodor both follow up to the room. Then we see something we don't often see on Game of Thrones anymore. A dire wolf. Which... Well, it's interesting to say that we see the dire wolf uh, we see 
the camera run all the way up onto the bed mm-hmm. and into Bran's sleeping face. And when Bran opens his eyes, he's then looking at the direwolf. And Hodor, who we saw with the direwolf on their way up, is standing in the room. Hodor. As uh, to say what LaDonna uh, says in the chat, Hodor is just a toddler. That's why he hung out with the nanny and the children. That's my theory. A giant, I'm going to say cuddly, <laughs> wonderful, good-hearted toddler. He's not... He's not uh as mature as his age should <laughs> should be. And he's, there's obviously something developmentally limited about him. But so. he's so warm and has such a great heart and cares yes. so much about Bran. And I'm sure he, we see him the most with Bran, but I'm sure he has a, a emotional connection to all the Stark children. Yep. But Bran's, and, Bran's probably been the one that's been nicest to him. Right. And that, uh, uh, when Bran opens his eyes and we see that direwolf up on him, I think that's, that's a really good... Really good shot. Hold door. <laughs> I had a fan. Hold door. Hold door. Hold door. Jenny, welcome. Welcome from England. She's hanging out near the wall. Holy shit. Welcome. Griffey420. How <laughs> How can he understand what they want him to do if he's a baby? A very good point. Uh, okay, Hodor has. He's got, he's got intelligence about him. He's just, he's developmentally limited. Right. Because it's, but... it's probably the giant's blood in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so so Bran wakes up and this kicks into a, a really awesome scene that that is something I've 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 always loved this scene between Master Lewin and Bran. Bran's insisting his experience with the wolves while he's dreaming. He he talks about how it feels. He also says that old Nan told him some stories of this sort of thing happening. And I love how Lewin Lewin's one of those guys unlike some of the maesters that we meet and a lot of the other people that we meet has his doubts about magic still existing in the world, but he does never for a moment makes Bran feel like he's an idiot for thinking these things and having these kinds of dreams. He he communicates with him. Again, part of why you have to think a lot of the Stark children really grew up to be you know, good people when it comes down to it. Lewin is another awesome influence to have there as just a person. He was a good, they, they got a good draw with maesters with him. They did. They did. And even if he des- denies the existence of magic and dragons and other things now, he does not deny that they existed at one point. And he doesn't say in this, in this scene, when he says, you know, dragons are gone from the world, he doesn't say that the children are gone from the world, the children of the forest. He says they're forgotten. Yeah, they're forgotten. He doesn't say that they don't exist. He says that just that they're forgotten. And they're obviously not forgotten if Bran's talking about them and the people of the North continue to talk about them. And he's not saying that they are gone. And he also sounds sad about that, too. When he's talking about that, he's like, yes, they don't exist anymore. They're gone. Dragons are dead. He om- There's almost a sense of, because he, he ex- when he explains in this scene that he's one of the maesters, one of... One of, I forget how many he says, uh, that God, he's in that chain link. Yeah, that has one of these chain links. And so he must have been as a youth. And we learn more about this in the book. But he but he really cared about magic and he had a place in his heart to learn about that and discover that in the world. And that was a big passion of him as a as a young man. So it, so you can see that in him and it's an excellent performance by the actor and one of those underrated actors on the show and characters on the show, the way he delivers the Maester Lewin performance. He's a mild, well, uh, you know, he's just a straight man. And it's a good guy. 
that does good things and helps the kids and pays the ultimate price. So right, I'm, exactly for for a good for a good reason too. He really fights the good fight to well, not to spoil too much, but exactly he really fights the good fight and cares about it is stark in his heart through and through to the last drop. Yeah, and so you know he does a good job and he's very competent at that as an actor, uh, you know, and he does great, but. There's not a whole lot of drama surrounding him. And it's basically like watching somebody raise or teach a child, which is what he's doing at this point. And with all the other stuff in the series that takes place with the powerhouse of Tyrion, <laughs> Cersei, <laughs> you know, with the performances delivered by some of the yeah, uh, yeah. series and Peter, like, and T- and Tywin and it's it and the list goes on. Someone like the Maester Lewin performance can get overlooked, but he's so perfect in that role, and exactly. and he really is in my mind when I was imagining something very close to what we got on screen. I just think it's a it was a great a great from great from paper to to visual depiction of the character. Really really okay. awesome, John. So uh, Lewin would have freaked me out if he had met Leaf. Uh, great. How weird would it have been to live in a castle with wolves running around? Lola, welcome, Lola. Uh, that would be really crazy. It's you got to think that I was just I was actually going to ask Joe that question because I know he's grew, grown up in houses living with animals. I think anyone who's lived with cats has woken up. Most people have woken up in the middle of the night. and You wake up and your cat is sitting on your chest, staring at you, just looking at you with these evil. Every morning at 10 a.m. she climbs up. It's on scary. Screaming it, in my face. It can be scary, and I've woken up when I've fallen asleep with my dog Lotus before, and like Lotus will be literally two inches, two centimeters from my face, and it is fucking scary. So I can just imagine having these big, huge diehards running around, and they just go anywhere they want. They're generally well behaved with everyone, except for was, except for Rickens. Two Dobermans and a Rottweiler in the house. And um, imagine, and I guess the most difficult one, the hardest one probably to live with is Shaggy Dog from, again, stuff we don't hear so much about on the show, but Shaggy Dog needs to be sent elsewhere, isn't allowed to wander around the castle eventually because it has a, has a bad attitude. And, well, and, somebody should help and help that, uh, who's Rickon again? Somebody should help me raise the top. Wait, 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 who are we talking about? Wait, wait, Joe, Joe, who are we talking about again? So who's who's this Rick in person? I should have been helping him raise the pup. Instead, Stark's like, you'll all raise your own pups. And he's like five. And he's like, all right, Shaggy Dog, eat them all. Because he's five. (laughs) They're like, no, Shaggy Dog can't play in the house. Okay. There you go. Oh my gosh. Okay, Shaggy Dog can't Okay, Shaggy Dog can't play in the house. Oh my goodness. Okay, so Lu- to get through this scene basically, Lewin, it's it's a really int- fun scene between Lewin and Bran and they have great interaction and it's maybe magic was once a mighty force in the world but not anymore. The dragons are gone, the giants are dead, and the children of the forest forgotten. His ex- he basically wants that to be true but he doesn't believe it which i do hope he gets to gets a word gets a raven somewhere that dragons dragons have been born he does not want to believe it for sure he doesn't so so then we go to here we go the a big circle ladies and gentlemen in this corner we have loris tyrell and in this corner we have marla hooch Hooch, hooch, hooch. <laughs> no, 
Sorry. No, and, and in this corner, we have our introduction to Brienne of Tarth. Beautiful Brienne of Tarth. And the, uh, the, that's what I want to point out. In the, the we, I don't want to keep doing this, but just one quick one before we go too far. Brienne is not, I think Gwendolyn Christie is a very beautiful woman. I, Brienne of Tarth is not supposed to be that. As good looking as she is. As she is. That's all I want to say. So in I want to point this out too. <laughs> okay, go for it. Go. And neither is Tyrion also. Tyrion's supposed to be a lot more ugly than... Uh, Excellent point, Joe. Excellent playing point. Playing him. But I, I got to say, too, I, I, I'm a little put off by Brienne's uh, body mechanics, I should say, in that she is as good a warrior as she is, just judging by the way she walks in that armor. Oh, my God. It looks like she's about to fall over hey. with every step she takes, the duck walk she's got going on. Yep, yep. So quick, quick, it's, uh, trust me, uh, no, people that have seen Star Wars will know what I mean. She's good at walking in odd armor because that's all she does. Oh, <laughs> don't don't do it. No no spoilers, Joe. Don't do it. Don't do it here. No. That movie, man. Not here. Not here. Anyways, so uh, so okay. So the big circle of people watching two people in armor kick each other's ass. It's a really fun fight to watch between the two of them. And I love this is our, also our introduction, I believe, to Marjorie. And Marjorie just starts shouting, "Go for Highgarden!" It's 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 an interesting setup of watching the two of them kick kick each other's ass as Catelyn Stark shows up, and we see Renly Baratheon up there. And he's accompanied with Marjorie. She's cheering on for Highgarden. One of the people in armor falls back and quickly yields. Excuse me. And we see that it's Loris. And and uh, the winner goes, yield, yield, yield. And is asked to take off the helmet. And we, it's made to see that it's a reveal. But we know from Renly's reaction immediately and from future events that Renly knows who Brienne is. That they're very familiar with each other. And Renly, oh, you're everything your father said and more. And he asks her if he, she could have anything she wants, what would it be? And he says, uh, she says that she wants a place on his king's guard of one of his sevens to protect his life and all this, yada, yada. And everyone gets a Hufflepuff, oh, blah, 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 Hufflepuff. But, <laughs> but Renly says, fuck yeah. And, and from that point on in the episode, she suddenly immediately becomes his bodyguard, becomes his Catelyn Stark, listen, motherfucker, you kneel before Zod here. You sit down. Like, yells at Catelyn, you need to kneel before your king. Kneel before Zod. Oh, my gosh. Let's... <laughs> Matt... Yeah, no, Renly's, Renly's very diplomatic here. Renly's known Catelyn a long time. Their husband and brother were best friends, and Catelyn knows a lot about Renly. Uh, she's very adamant as well that, you know, my son is the king in the north, not just Lord Stark. And, you know, there's a little back and forth, but Renly doesn't join in that. Renly kind of dismisses it and doesn't address either the king in the north or, uh, you know, he says, you know, she doesn't need to kneel. She, you know, and of course she shouldn't have to kneel in front of him at all. She's a lady. She's known him since childhood. What kind of king does he really want to be? Is going to make uh, ladies whose husbands, whose whose the bro his brother's best friend, his practically his fucking uncle, was beheaded by the by this bastard on the throne who he's trying to, you know, uh, oust. So like, no, you don't make this lady kneel. She can be forgiven any kind of like calling him Lord Renly. She's been doing it his whole life, you know. <laughs> none of that is called for. And both Loras and Brienne are 
so far out of fucking line for even opening yes. their mouths at all. Yeah. That is not the place of a king's guard at all. Loris is all and, fucking salty because he got beat by and, Brienne. And more of a reason for him to keep his fucking mouth he's just shut. He's, a, he's being a whiny bitch in that moment because he's like, I got beat by Brienne. And then fucking Renly picked her to be fucking because she kicked my ass and she's beat, she can beat me. So he he wants the best possible person to fucking protect him. He's just he's just in a whiny bitch mode. And, and I think... Marjorie knows enough to pay Catelyn the respect that she deserves. And Catelyn kind of notes that she goes, she, she does, but she also, she says what she says and And there's a little bar back and forth there too, but it's, it's small. And Marjorie actually gets a kick out of the way. <laughs> yeah. She's she, loves what she sees out of Catelyn. She's like, Oh, this woman is yeah. amazing. Yeah. She looks up to Catelyn. She does. And I think, I think Renly does as well in the sense that it's, Anything connected to the Starks makes him feel like my brother Robert will love the Starks, so I love the Starks too. He kind of has yeah. a little bit of that and aspect of it too. They killed both his brother and betrayed him with all those children between the two brother and sister, and also killed her husband. So there's absolutely a connection there that Renly wants to exploit. That uh, even John, uh, not John Rob, is trying to exploit. You know, and it's not just a, a connection. It's that, you know, they're, they are extended family of each mm-hmm. other. Ab- absolutely. And I think that's why everyone gets all mumble, mumble, grumble, grumble, Hufflepuff when uh, when ultimately Renly just says, fuck this and gets down and goes and walks off with Kat when they talk to her alone. He's like, he's like, yeah, fuck all, fuck all this crap right now. I'm going to go off and have my moment. And you see everyone get a little hot and bothered by it all. So, so, okay, so moving on, Catelyn's introduced, we go on, sorry, I'm scrolling through the notes to catch up, Catelyn calls uh, Rob my, my lord instead of your grace, or yet he calls her my lord grace, but kind of already talked about that where Brian calls him out. So Renly and Catelyn stroll through a very the very big camp as we see lots and lots of people. We see we see Renly out there kissing babies and, and uh, helping old men, giving them canes. Okay. Being very kingly. <laughs> Going out there showing himself. He's really acting the part. And I love one line that I didn't mention at the time. but that's, Well, that's his strength, too. That's exactly what Loras told him his strength is. That's what he's playing, too. And it, and it shows. He's, right a, he's a people person. He's truly a people person. And right. By making Brianna Kingsguard. By, by uh, basically ignoring those two loudmouths and treating Catelyn with ultimate respect, you know, by what he's doing when he's walking with Catelyn. Like, he's a man of the people. He's a, he's doing exactly what Loras told him to do. He's very smart in that respect. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, sorry, guys. I'm just jumping in the chat for a second. You, chat's having an awesome discussion going on right now in the chat. I, lo- I love you guys. You guys are fucking awesome in the chat. Holy shit. Okay, so... So yeah, so they he she just he really cares about Catelyn's opinion of him. And I love how Catelyn kind of points out in the last scene that my son's in a war, you're playing war. Is was a was a really great scene. She yes. we talk about shit talkers and people they that everybody up right then and there and Renly knew that's why Renly gets up off the throne because if this if this goes on any longer it's not going to end well for anybody. Something will end up said. Renly gets up and guides Caitlin away from the people that are opening their mouths that shouldn't be. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big choice Renly has to make because at this point he either has to tell the people in his 
councils and King's Guard to shut the fuck up. They're overstepping their bounds. Uh, and also, or remaining like very peaceful, very calm, very cool and thought collected. And that's what he does. And he guides Caitlin away from it and stays above that kind of phrase. Very, I think it's very smart. It was very political. I think he did a, a very. Renly's doing a good. Renly's doing a good job. So after he he uses his podiatry license to help some guy with his foot problems, Catelyn, uh, Catelyn says she pities him for having all of this huge army of a hundred thousand people because they are the knights of the summer and winter is coming. And it's she's just totally adopted the Stark. It's. Ned and everything that's happened to Ned and everything that she's gone through in the last while has really, she knows this and she's the living embodiment of winter's coming. She, it's, it's, it's great to see her truly embrace her starkness, so to speak. So, so, okay. So, uh, so then Renly says, uh, Renly ends up kind of taking some, almost being offended. That's the first time that Renly seems offended by anything she says. And he kind of just gets, um, Okay, okay. Lady Stark is tired, Brienne. Take her to her tent. She's she's fucking tired. Get her the fuck away from me right now. I need to go. I need my, I need some alone time with Loras. Brienne, you go with her. I, I'm gonna go. Pr- pr- I'm gonna go and pray. Again, not taking the bait and not jumping into that kind. Staying above it and and uh and just avoiding it. I it's very well played again by him. Because he knows, he knows ultimately too, by uh, by keeping them at war in the north, it really strengthens his army's play in the south. So, th- this ally cannot stop. There's plenty of time later to work out, you know, who's king where, who owes fealty to what, and all that shit. Like that's this isn't the time for that, you know. Someone's someone's. Barbs back and forth. It's time to get get above that, get beyond that, and get this war won. Houster in the chat made a good made a good point or an interesting question. Should Renly have sided with Stannis the whole time and just supported Stannis and been Stannis's people person while he would so, yes. be his hand, so to speak, and kind of it wouldn't have been his hand. No way. You don't think Stan- Stannis would have made him his hand? Zero respect for <laughs> Renly whatsoever. Renly is out of the picture. Renly is relegated to some small castle lordship somewhere. He's not even on the small. You don't even think he's on the. You don't even Stannis think Stannis puts him on the small castle. Banished. He's banished from court. Like you don't. I don't even want you in the city. You with <laughs> your uh, your bohemian ways. Like no, you're done. Uh, but absolutely, Renly should have. Th- I believe Renly should have thrown his support behind Stannis and should have not listened to that snake-tongued Loris in bed, yeah. all that pillow talk and ego boasting. He should have should have stood up for his family and for the for the succession succession rights there of his brother and brought those armies together. Yeah, he should have gone with I think at the point that Ned came to him and was like, no, we need to go team Stannis here. Get on board Renly. He should have he should have he should have gone with Ned to Stannis, and then the three of them kind of group up a little bit. Right, because you can't yell and scream, no, they're not the rightful heirs, they're bastard children of these two, so I'm king now, if you're not the rightful heir either. Mm-hmm. So, you can't, you have, your claim is is superiorly diminished and weakened, and a lot of people aren't going to respond to it. the whole North isn't going to respond to that, they would have sooner backed Stannis than 
than Renly as well. So, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, shit happens in the future. Or if you're Renly and you don't let your greed get taken away and you side with Ned Stark in that moment and to go on Stannis's side to be like, okay, we need to ride to Stannis right now. Right. You and me get the fuck out of here, go to Stannis, then group together and come the, come the fuck back. Then you have, then you have Ned there or so all of the North comes with you anyway. And then you have all of the North and all of the storm, storm. And then you're fucking destroying King's Landing and taking, taking everybody out and game over, game over, pal game over. Correct. That was, that was the, <laughs> the ultimate flaw was Renly not doing what what was the right thing then and he should be doing now you know with the with those two armies together and not split or disjointed or three armies for that matter if you include the north Stannis Renly yeah uh, fuck it okay so that crushes everything so at the end of this scene we get we get we get Basically, Bran saying she's no lady. But I think the real awesome part of this scene when we see Catelyn and Bran walking next ne- next to each other, seeing how much bigger Gwendolyn Christie is than Michelle Farley, just seeing how tall. It's almost like the Bruce Lee, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar moment for a second. <laughs> just seeing the two of them walk next to each other. It's really it's really kind of funny to just visually I love see. I the footprint on his chest in that movie. It's like his whole torso. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's fucking great. <laughs> So much, so many awesome folks and so many first time names I'm seeing jumping in the chat. Really great for all of you guys to be able to join us. Really great to have the motherfucking chat going crazy. If you're listening to this audio podcast later or you're watching this video later, please subscribe and know when we go live so you can jump in and at least once in a while join in on the live chat. It's really awesome and it's the best part of the channel getting to discuss everything about Game of Thrones or whatever show that we're discussing or bullshit that we're I'm. Um, me or Joe are talking about. So so speaking of bullshit, should we get to Pike? <laughs> Let's get to Pike, the home of the Greyjoys. We see Theon wandering around a, a room looking at the a really awesome looking Kraken fireplace. Yara walks in and we finally get the fallout because of uh, Yara throat faking and allowing Theon to feel him up and all of that. So <laughs> he calls her for a lot. He calls her a lying bitch for not saying he, she was his sister before, and he rubs it and rubbing his hands all over her. She says it's his fault for not resca- recognizing her. He, he says, you looked like a little fat boy the last time I saw you. And she says, well, that's what you looked like, too, but I recognized you. Well, whatever. She wanted to know what kind of person he was before meeting him, and she said she did. So I still think it's a fucked up thing that she did. And kind of weird that she wanted how she was going to learn this was by having her brother feel her up. But okay, whatever, whatever you gray joys are into. Who am I? Who am I to? Who am I to? Who am I? All buttered up, hot and bothered. Yeah. By the refrigerator. <laughs> who am I? Who am I to question, Joe? So okay, so here we go. Uh, Balon Greyjoy enters in and he gives a speech. The wolf pup has gone south with the entirety of the Northern Army at his back. While he's tangling with the lion in the Westerlands, the North is ripe for my taking. The Ironborn will reap and pillage again, as if it was the old days along the northern coast. We spread dominion across the Greenland, securing the neck and everything above. Every stronghold will f- will fall to us one by one. Winterfell might resist for a year, but who gives a shit? This whole scene shows how much of a freaking idiot 
Balon Greyjoy is. I was going to add, that was my big question for you here, for Joe, for Joe big question mark. Do you, What do you think of Balon's plan? He's a complete idiot. <laughs> absolutely right in this situation. And what, okay, so what did, so Balon took the Iron Islands from his father. They weren't just, you know, given to him. And even if they had a king's moot and he was able to win them from whoever to have the Iron, Iron Islands, he had a rebellion. He lost his fucking rebellion. And he's been living under as a lord since with his son that he gave away. Everything that Theon says is absolutely fucking true. And he can't bear that whatsoever. So he storms out of the room like a little fucking child. It's uh, He's an absolute idiot. If he had, if he should absolutely be listening to Theon right now, it's the best play. And by fighting with Rob against the current king, you are absolutely fighting for your own kingdom because you're the Iron Islands. You're actually not. You're kind of just as much south as you are north. You're right about at the neck. And you're, it just, it makes, he makes absolutely no sense. He's salty and he's fucking. But they don't sow, Joe. They don't sow. They don't just want shit given to them. You want our father to bow down? I don't agree with that. I'm, I'm on your, I'm on your What's side, Joe. What's being given to them? What's being given to them? They're going off and they're fighting. They're fighting the evil tyrants that are on the iron, that are on the iron throne. And when why, they beat them, Why does Balon hate the. Why does what my question is why does Balon blame the Stark? Isn't everybody that kicked it kicked their ass? It wasn't just the Starks. It was right, what, it was the Baratheons and technically and the Lannisters too. Were the Lannisters kicking their ass? Wasn't it everyone right. fighting together? It was, it was it was actually Ned who raised his son and kept him safe yeah. instead of letting Baratheon say, "Oh, okay, we're gonna have him, him give him to yet. the Lannisters to raise. Give him to give him to uh, you know we're we're gonna take him to King's Landing and have him raised there in the in the you know." In the dungeons instead. Like, are you kidding me? Like, okay. And a couple of people asked Tim always if Theon had had some how balls. How about your rebellion? We, we're going to take your head, Balin. You're now dead. Fuck you. Kill you and kill your son so he doesn't come back for revenge and your daughter so she doesn't come back for revenge. Now, and your brothers. We're going to wipe the Balon name <laughs> off of Westeros. How about that? That's what they could have done. As Lola says perfectly, Balon Greyjoy has forever and will ever be a stunted fool. So yeah, much, yeah, so much salt, says Ada. LaDonna says, everyone was fighting. Yeah, everyone was fighting the Greyjoys. Sam says, I blame Theon for all the problems that happened in the North. Uh, Critch says, Joe is right strategically and politically. Bail uh, basically, that Balon's plan was stupid. Uh, you got to think that, ba oh gosh, Balon is. He's going to make an enemy out of the entire North. He's going to be able to control that. He's going to be able to control and keep rule in the north. My question but, for you, Joe, quickly, to go, and you continue on this red, is did Rob fuck up sending Theon? If he had sent anybody else that could actually threaten Balon and make him feel the way Robert Baratheon made him feel, would have that have changed? Would that have changed what Balon was going to do? Was the fact that he sent Theon and Theon's like a little, you know, Theon's a douchebag. Yeah, that was the worst thing he could have done. Rob should have recognized immediately that he hasn't had a relationship with his father at all. I'm sure absolutely Rob knows exactly how many times they've written back and forth, visited each other, which is probably amounts to the great sum of zero. <laughs>
You know, Exa- like, why that's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't know who the fuck that guy is. Are you, you kidding me? You should have sent someone like I don't know, just one of your best warriors, someone that can just remind him in a, in a star. yeah, Car get, Stark or so, get, someone get, like get, that get, to be like, listen, you motherfucker, unless you want us kicking your ass again, you're on our side, motherfucker. And Balon's like, okay, it's just the way he. Theon goes about it is like adding fuel to the flame of his stupidity <laughs> when it really comes down to it, I don't want to I just don't want to take Theon out of the blame pizza right here he deserves a couple of slices for how we so, went about explaining it and this he, this is here's the thing there is there is something to be said a great a, John yeah a great John or somebody too yeah yeah he is a prisoner and he does have for I mean as much as anybody can have Stockholm syndrome was taken as a child and raised it, um, it just happened to be his captors were pretty good people c- correct and so he wants to be back with his father he wants to ha- he knows he's a lord's son he wants to have all that he wants to have this respect you can't blame him so much at this point um it's more so what he does on his own in the future that makes it yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, I know. Good, good job walking around that. <laughs> but, I, but I agree, we'll, we'll, which we will get to. But at this point, I can't really blame him for wanting his father to love him, for wanting to be a, a great joy. Theon makes for, a great point, too. When he, he's like, you're pissed at me, you're yelling at me for things I didn't do. You were the one that gave me up. You were the one that got your ass kicked. Were you sewing when you bowed down to Robert Baratheon? And Balon bitch slaps him across the room. Across the room. Right, and that's and that's absolutely fucked up because Theon is absolutely Theon's right. right. Theon doesn't want to hear that he's culpable in any sense, and that he lost that war and all of his sons by Theon getting taken, mm-hmm. and he knows that, and that's why he also turns around and walks out of the room because he knows he's fucking wrong. <laughs> it was- it's absolutely ridiculous. Balon Greyjoy is a complete fucking moron, and if there's anything bad in his future, it's absolutely freaking warranted, and it probably should be worse than it was. So, just to kind of yada yada through some of the stuff in this scene, Yara is going to go to Deepwood Mont uh, with thirty ships and lay siege. the The jump off point. The, yeah, the jump off point is Theon gets one ship that's called the Sea Bitch, and he's going to go fight fishermen. And up and down the coast, he, you're just gonna raid fishing villages. Yeah, with the, lo- uh, with get the, your legs a little bit. You've never really been on a boat, not since like, like you're not a captain. You're just kind of gonna be on the boat, I guess. Yeah, I mean he's gonna be the captain, but. And we kind of talked about every, everything yeah, else in this scene. We kind of talked about everything else in this scene before, but we we talk, we basically said everything. So the great joys don't sow. <laughs> so Balin experience with Theon, it means that they're not subjects or slaves. They don't plow or mine. They take things. And and then, as we mentioned, the, uh, Balon walks out. Theon yells at him a little bit. And- Wah! Wah, daddy. And I think daddy heard him, heard his wah for a second, was like, little shun of a bitch is right. Fuck him. I hate him even more. And he walked out because Theon was wang, but he wahed right in that moment. He was, we said it, he was 100% correct in everything he, he right. said. And he was holding his tongue since he got there about. Bye, like, Griff. Have a good night. 
about get, getting this shit from Balon, and it was finally time for him to stand up and say something. And he, and everything he said was right, and everything he said was correct, and it's actually the smarter, more correct play. And Balon can't take that. <laughs> it's a blow to his ego that again he's going to be wrong. That again he's going to owe something to these fucking people who squashed his rebellion. Who? Why aren't I allowed to? I'm the worst. I'm the worst leader of the of of the Iron Islands ever. I'm a, such a pussy. I'm gonna be laughed at when I die and go meet the drowned god. He's gonna look at me as a as a fucking punk. That's so that he's through all all of that shit is what's on his mind. I think really he's getting obsessed. He's getting cuckoo in the canoe with that of, that shit. Instead of working on and visiting his son and working on some sort of relationship with the Starks and as much as possible. He completely abandoned his son to the Starks and never went to see him and never went off the islands and just kind of like shut himself in a room and like stewed over the fact that he lost to Robert and <laughs> the rest of Westeros. But I will see you soon, Griffey. Thank you so much for checking out the live show. And so many times I saw you being referred to in the chat as Griff. I was like, what are they talking about? In that? Hey, what were they saying about Griff in the chat? And I was like, oh, they're talking to you. But thank you so much for checking us out. We really do appreciate that. Okay, so we go after this. It ends ends with uh, Yara saying, saying, uh, what do you want our father to bow down to your new family? I don't have a new family. <laughs> but, but they're not my family. They're not my but family. They're right. <laughs> but they're so fucking right. Because we see it later in the episode. He goes after this point and he writes the letter to Rob Stark that he eventually burns. But at that point, this conversation makes him go, goes, God damn it. Why would these people fucking listen? I I care about them. I'm trying to fucking help them. I gotta go, I gotta go warn Rob. I gotta go warn Rob. Somewhere, but then it changes somewhere in the in his mind. He has a awakening of some sort. Whatever, <laughs> fucking crazy. Okay, so and yet, oh and yes, yes, yes. You're you're on. If they actually, uh, I don't want to talk about that. That's season six stuff. I don't. But I hope they fucking. That's gonna be fun to see what happens there. Okay, so so Balon leaves. He listens to Theon, but I don't think he he- hears him. Okay, so here that's a that's a great point, Lola. The North is poor. Those fishing villages don't, don't have anything. They're fishing villages. What are you going to take? Their fish, <laughs> their other boats, their trawlers. Like, okay, like you're not really gaining much out of it by actually going with Rob and participating in that. You're gaining your independence, and then you can go raid and fuck with him afterwards, and have your son back doing it. But instead, you choose these this inane fucking path you're absolutely right oh speaking of good good transitional word joe because speaking of inane we have oh why do i have to sit in this room uh what you think i'm stupid oh i annoy you what are you saying joe i annoy you don't say that to me joe you're turning your head why are you turning your head do you hate me you really think this is a prison do you want you can either stay here and enjoy this nice place and keep your mouth down, or I can go have you work in the kitchens as a dishwashing bitch. You want to clean out fire pits? How about you go be a, a little slave girl to some little lordly lady who's snooty and will treat you, make you empty her chamber pots? Which would you rather, Shay? What really? What do you want here? <laughs> that that's that's just the- stop your fucking whining. 
That's the thing, Joe. In this, especially in this scene, I didn't remember being this annoyed with her. But again, the future makes me even more annoyed with her. And she's just so whiny to him. Uh, okay, uh, I'm not a kitchen wing. Anyone who tastes my cooking thinks I'm a better whore. Oh my God, Harry! He makes him live in. He makes her live in a brothel down the street. Like down to flea bottom. She's so fucking annoying in this scene. I just cannot. I just Tyrion's trying so fucking hard right in this moment. Everything he's he's trying to save her fucking life, and she's screaming, yelling. She's your father's gonna hear me seventeen thousand. It's not his father. His sister. She doesn't get it. You don't get it. Does she not get it, or she already? So she knows she's. Well, she comes from a Lannister camp. Like, that's where she's first introduced. And Lannister is a smart man. Lannister knows that men talk. And women can make men talk, especially after sexual activities taking place. It's called pillow talk. (laughs) Joe, Joe, I love how quiet you got. (laughs) Sexual intercourse. I said activity. Activ- okay, I added the intercourse. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, so Lannister would be very smart, a very, very, very smart, very cunning, very cunning lord if he sent prostitutes out to go sleep with the other lords that had joined his campaign to go fight Rob Stark, which is where we pick up Shay. Just a fur. Just a Just a fur. She does come from a Lannister, is, is placed by Lannister to gather information from the other lower lords that are even on his side. You, of course you have spies on your own people and who makes the best spies sometimes prostitutes. Joe, that's not a far thing to stretch. And we're not even trying that hard. I know Sam's in class. So let's, let's just distract her and she'll be like, what the hell's going on right now? What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh yes. And then Shay goes like this to Tyrion's nuts. She's like, boom and boom. Holy shit. And that's what this whole scene. What's up, Carrot Top? (laughs) Sorry, I know. That was totally a Carrot Top moment. (laughs) And then Tyrion goes, zee, zee, zee. (laughs) <laughs> quick quick side story i got a uh, i got a part-time job and i fu- i was like failing on my interview and then they were like could you just talk five minutes about something that you're in something that you're uh passionate about and i started just talking about game of thrones and i just went to like a rant like did a, like a 20 minute podcast and the guy's like i love game of thrones this is awesome i'm listening. you're hired come on but yes if people want, if people want to come to Salem, Massachusetts, in the Halloween time next year, I'm going to be a tour guide on a fucking haunted tour. So yeah, that that's uh, that's what I'm going to be doing next fall for uh, part time work. Haunted happenings in Great Salem. <laughs> yes, come on down now. <laughs> anyways, so horseception. Yeah, this is our horseception scene. So anyways, Tyrion is uh, he's reading. She she keeps shouting. She, she doesn't want to gotta go go empty Sansa's chamber pot. Leave me the fuck alone. Get out of here. Yeah, Scene she, over. Yeah, she, yeah, whatever. Okay. So then we <laughs> then we <laughs> Cersei knows my shut up. Next scene. So we go to Cersei and her non, uh, we see the non kids. Joffrey isn't in this episode. We see the two people that aren't even the same people anymore. We see. Who are those kids? I don't know. Who are those kids and where's Marcella and Tommy? Why is Cersei being so mean to those two kids? And that one girl with the red hair there? 
Yeah. Ooh, oh, golly. Yeah. Okay. So Cersei and the, the the party consists of Cersei and Marcella and Tommen and Sansa. And yep, everyone but Sansa's a kind of a Baratheon, but they're just kind of sitting there. Marcella wants to know when Joffrey and Sansa will be married. Sansa's just sitting there eating like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. can I have some water? Mm-hmm. Cersei explains. <laughs> this is just I don't think she is eating. Did you see any food go in her mouth at all? No, and I watch her mouth very carefully. There was oh, nothing. Wow. That, there was nothing going in and out of her mouth. So, she, so she's eat, she's just eating and or not faking eating. And I just love this scene. I love how this, we don't get a lot of her in this episode, but every second, every drop, every moment of Cersei in this episode is so fucking great. Lita Headley just steals scenes as Cersei. And oh, she's at her best, best real housewife at this point. Oh, she is amazing. Oh, they're going to get married when Joffrey finally murders and slays. Uh, I mean, come on, though. What kind of challenge is she's not even like, She's she's picking on a 13-year-old, 14-year-old girl, for Christ's sake. Like, this isn't a challenge. This could barely be fun for her, but or for this should barely be fun for even the most seasoned bully. But this woman is having a ball, the smirk on her face, torturing poor Sansa, and even trying to get the kids to participate in it, which they're yeah. not. They yeah. kind of feel bad. They can see what yeah. their mom's doing. And they feel bad about it. Yeah, they're, they're not. They're not taking any part. No, I don't want to. Princess is talking to you, you little fucking bitch. You answer her. Yes, ma. Yes, master. Yeah, it's it's horrible. And then Tommen's like, I I don't want to see anybody die. I I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat Rob Stark's brain yeah, for breakfast. Kill Rob Stark. Yes, and maybe he'll bring his head. To his bride, Sansa. Well, that would kind of suck, Ma. Wow. Wow, Ma. And, and You're you, fucked up, Ma. Can you please... Don't... I don't want it... Can Can Nan tell me bedtime stories from now on? You're too fucked up. Jesus. No wonder Joffrey turned out the way he did. Like, and, are you fucking kidding me? And yes, for shame for my mouth comment. Sorry about that. Sorry about Good call, Ada. For shame, Phil. For shame. Like, wow, talk about Robert Baratheon taking one for the team, having to marry Cersei Baratheon, oh my God. Cersei Lannister. And you can see that, okay, a lot of people like to say, well, if Robert hadn't married her and married someone else, someone else might, he, he probably, the same shit would have happened. But I'm sure the fact of the type of person she was and how That's coarse, good. it didn't help. It didn't help. And it drew him even more into his. Crazy. How do you figure the same thing is going to – for whoever says that, how do you figure the same thing is going to happen? We know there was another child before before Joffrey. We don't exactly know how that child died. I'm really, really, really willing to say Cersei killed that child. If I know. You're, you're, to, you're totally about Cersei killing that child. That's with she- all the other children and males that Robert has fathered throughout the kingdom, we've seen all the bastards getting killed. They're coming after Gendry, all this shit. Like with all that that's taken place, yes – Things would have been a lot different. He would have had actual children with his actual wife who wasn't fathering children with her actual fucking twin brother. So things would have been a lot fucking different and the same things would have happened. No, because there wouldn't John Arrow wouldn't have been running around the whole fucking kingdom trying to find the true heirs and real bastard children of Robert Baratheon to figure out why his little blonde head children don't look a thing like anything that's been written in the fucking Baratheon line. Things would have been 
completely but, fucking different if he had married absolutely anybody else in the kingdom. And the only reason why he married her was to solidify a, a, a weak, shaky alliance to a backstabbing fucking lord named Tywin Lannister. <laughs> oh my fucking god awesome awesome uh, but but as tim says anyone that gets to hang out with cersei's just plain lucky <laughs> how can you not want to <laughs> hang out with cersei <laughs> oh my god i want to see cersei lannister and carmela soprano have tea with tony's mother <laughs> that would be a fun time that would be awesome that'd be and and, and lisa aaron <laughs> that's what i want to see you want to watch a, a tea party with all of them <laughs> that that would be crazy oh, should we put catlin in in uh, that would Grandma be there that would be worse than what alice wandered into with the mad hatter <laughs> you want some tea you want some tea i'm gonna kill you i want to me a sopranos game of thrones tea party <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, so many awesome people in the chat uh, talking about how uh, someone said that that uh, Lilith says, as for Marcella and Tommen, well, they seem to be born sweet. Obviously, Marcella never ends up like Cersei because she was living in Dorne after like 10 years old, so she had enough time away from him. And then, and then Tommen had very little attention from Cersei through his whole entire life. It all goes to Joffrey. It all goes to Joffrey and to Jamie. Yep. Uh, LaDonna says, Gen- Gendry is their is the true barn son and see oh the hepatitis in greek mythology black smith throws down by his mother it, it would have been very interesting to see an alternate universe where robert doesn't have to marry he's cersei where he doesn't listen to john Aaron, and he's like that's a stupid idea i, I don't want to do that no yeah. keep her the fuck away from me he kills himself john Aaron. great stuff great he stuff guys so <laughs> Oh, whoops. Sorry, mess fucking around with my uh, my computer's doing something funky there. Okay, so the next was question... Doing, was it doing the chicken? It was done, doing the chicken dance. The, bok, bok. the next question involves whether Joffrey intends on killing Sansa's brother, maybe Will. So the kids are like, no, no, I don't want him to kill. <laughs> Won't you, little duck? You, you'll st- even, if, even if Joffrey does kill your brother, you'll still do your duty. Won't you, little tough? And Sansa's yeah. just like, Yes, yes, I will. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> Holy shit. So, okay, so then we go into Sansa's chambers, and I guess this is one of those moments where every time you want to feel bad for Sansa, and then you realize that she's... She's just a spoiled little brat. <laughs> oh, my God. Brush my fucking hair? I didn't mean now. Change. I mean empty my chamber pot. But it's empty. Shut the fuck up and clear the table. I don't have time. I'm too busy getting yelled at by the queen to teach you how to do your job. <sighs> Just brush my fucking hair. <laughs> like, what? Wow. Oh, and my. you understand, though, she's under a lot of stress. The poor girl just came from yet another, the 118th straight, <laughs> horrific horror show of a family fucking dinner. Are you kidding me? No. Yeah. You feel, I feel bad for her, and it's unfortunate that she's lashing out on, at, at anybody 
But if anybody deserves to be lashed out at, it's that fucking shit. Yeah, that, that was the. I was just going to say that, Joe, that the one redeeming point of this whole interaction is the fact that she's basically doing to Shay what Shay was doing to Tyrion. Everything Shay says, she's calling her out on her bullshit. You're not a... You, she knows she cannot open her mouth and really talk. She's kind of giving attitude and, and with the sh- hunched shoulder and the, oh, oh, and the stomping around the room kind of, but still... If she opens her mouth and gets disrespectful, she's going to be fucking whipped and sent right to the fucking dungeon. Do you know what's really good for us, Joe, that we have Tom and LaDonna in the chat that were both uh, have some law experience. So if we ever get into trouble, we have good friends, the good friend lawyers for uh, for for some uh, for some for some legal uh, legal stuff. And I think it actually it actually really helps out on Game of Thrones when we get into into some of the some of the stuff on the show. It it reads and the text is so much like a history book and so much so much looking into it. It's it's just so so ideal for historians or people that are into the law. I find that a lot of people that are into that kind of stuff are into Game of Thrones. I was talking on New, on New Year's Eve to a to a lawyer that's like a huge Game of Thrones fan. It was just like crazy. I love the I love it. Dutch law will protect me. Yes, it will, Tom. If I'm traveling, <laughs> dude, I don't want to get caned or something. Isn't that? Isn't someone? Didn't someone get caned? And oh no, the Dutch cane. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sounding like an idiot now, but whatever. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll, I'm calling in favors, <laughs> but I'm a good. Like sure. <laughs> Shay is the dumbest character on the history of the show, says Lola. Timbo says, I think that Ramsey's scene affected people. Be- oh, yes. I abs- I think it was. I, we'll talk more about that, obviously, later in season in season six stuff. But I, I agree. I think that was a different sort of situation. I think this is she's still she's been put through a lot of shit at this point. But she's yep. but it doesn't seem to of change the way she treats people yet she still treats the people that help her out and her underlings like shit like she treated scepter mordain like shit like she's treating shay like shit whether shay deserves it or not she doesn't know that all she knows is that shay sucks and doesn't know what she's doing and i'm gonna be a bitch to her is what i think he has no patience for it and at this point it's it's with understanding, but still not excusable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we get after all of that mess. We but then she shouldn't be anybody's fucking handmaiden either. She's not handmaiden materials. There's nothing about her that says you should be a handmaiden. No, she should be in the kitchens washing dishes. You don't want to wash dishes? You can go live in Flea Bottom in a whorehouse and make a little extra cash on the side when I'm not around. Or you can live like a fucking queen in this fucking in these chambers. Look, you have two rooms, a nice little fucking balcony, your own fucking chamber pot. Really? You want to go out and work? <laughs> Timo says, and Sansa has it pretty easy compared to the rest. And Sansa has it pretty easy compared to the rest of her family. Why should we feel bad for her? <laughs> Fuck Sansa. She's all, she's fucking alive. Okay, so... Th- and eating as many lemon cakes as she possibly can still. Yeah, she, I know. She doesn't even have to deal with Joffrey right now, really. So Tyrion visits uh, Grand Maester Pizel and gets this mysterious little blue stuff to, to help him shit better because he hasn't taken a good proper shit in days. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love that. It's such a human, like, uh, human moment. It really, the rest of this office will, will fucking kill you, man. And dealing with, it's not just that, it's dealing with Shay, too. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't had decent shit in days. Oh, my goodness. So, 
You don't know what it's like. Everywhere I go, people are yelling at me. So this starts the Tyrion part of the show that Tyrion is going to... It's done, it's done really well, Joe. I agree. It's Excuse me. It's edited really perfectly the way they cut the scene and cut his discussions. It starts that his plan, and this is a this is a tactic that's often used by law enforcement people and all, anyone who's being interrogated to figure out who's disclosing information. You tell three different people three different things, and you see who that are all partially based on the truth on the and truth, all based on the same story, with minor details different, so that when those details come from somebody, you understand which path that it came from, knowing that everybody knew the same story, but everybody had different details about that story. Right, exactly. And the first one, he tells Pizel that he is sending Marcella to Dorne to marry Tristane of uh, Tristane of Dorne. The next is, <clears throat> he, we cut it right over to, to... the Dornish Alliance to make them stronger because they're going to need them, even though their <clears throat> houses have been at odds because <clears throat> of what happened during Robert's Rebellion. Exactly. Good good point. And then we go over to Varys, who is enjoying every moment of this, and it's about Theon Greyjoy and that... Cut so that when he tells him the final... He's the pouring plan, the wine. Like an, a question from, from Pycelle, the question actually then comes from Varys, who is now in the room, and it's no longer in Pycelle's quarters, you're in Varys' quarters. Exactly. It's very well cut. And so it seems like it's still just one, the same one conversation, but it's now with a different person with a different detail. And then he tells that tells him that it's that's Theon Greyjoy, and then it cuts back over again, that, same sort of thing to Littlefinger, who is just. And what's also interesting is you see all three of their reaction to the situation. Pizel kisses ass. He just goes immediately and says, "Yes, whatever you say, I won't tell the queen. No, don't tell the queen." Uh, Varys looks at him kind of catty, laughs at him. Yeah, he's laughing at him with a smile on his face. And Littlefinger looks at it as an opportunity, and his mouth starts salivating with possibly having Harren Hall. He just and he's like, he's like, but why should I believe you? You that was uh, the guy you sent to the wall. That was his. Yeah, that was Jaina Slint's, and you sent him to the wall. And well, I don't need Jaina Slint. I want you to broker an alliance with Liza. Aaron, Liza, Aaron hates me, so I need you to do this for me. Him will marry. Yep. And and Littlefinger's like, I can spin this song for you if you want me to. Give me Harrenhal, or he, the Tyrion offers him Harrenhal. Littlefinger tries not to be super excited, but he's like, I'm super excited. And then the mission goes on. So so Tyrion has Tyrion also has trouble backing these arguments, like. He know like Varys laughs immediately at the Theon Greyjoy, and uh, and Tyrion has to cover that and explain why that's going to be a good alliance as well. That Mycella marry Theon Greyjoy, and it's tough for him, and it's tough for him to do it to Peter Baelish too. But he plays Peter Baelish's greed just right, yep. and that's the deciding factor to get him to buy on to the story as well. That all said, I think only two of the three of them believe him. I don't think Varys believes a word he's fucking saying. I think Varys knows right from the beginning Tyrion's full of shit, and he's smiling at him, laughing at him, going, <laughs> you're cute. I like this. I like this. You're, Peter you're... doesn't believe him either. No, I think Peter actually is buying into his bullshit for a second. I think he plays... I think I personally... We can disagree about this. I personally think Tyrion plays Baelish in this moment. 
I do. I do think. I believe. Yes, he plays him completely. But it's not that Peter Baelish believes him. It's that Peter Baelish, he gets that golden nugget held out the carrot held out right in front of him. Harren Hall, a lordship, it, the Riverlands. Like that's what Peter Baelish saw. It knocks him off his game for a second. It knocks him. It knocks him off his game and makes him susceptible to what I think normally Littlefinger top of his game doesn't buy this. But Littlefinger is not top of his game in this moment. He is distracted by that big giant eyesore that's Harren Hall in this moment. It's like, oh really? I will. I will say. I will sing your song, Tyrion. Anything you say right now. It's very out of character moment for for Littlefinger. Guess is what I'm saying. He he seems off balance for a moment. But so we go over to so Tyrion's got the got getting the plan going on, and then we cut back over to, back to Renly's camp inside Renly's tent, inside Renly's pants, inside Loras's pants. As we see a really funny, really funny interaction between the two of them, as 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 uh, sorry, Loras is getting is just really still pissed off about the Brienne thing. He's just, and he's just so fucking can't get over the fact that Brienne kicked his ass. And Renly's loving this. Renly's kind of made. I want you. You're not tough enough. I want the toughest person protecting me. I, I love you. You know you're fun to be with, but but Brienne's the one that can keep me safe. Go fuck yourself, Loras. And but Loras immediately turns this around to being like, listen, dude. You need to fuck my sister. People are starting to ask questions. You need to fuck my sister. Get her pregnant. This needs to happen now. I'm going to leave. Marjorie's going to come in. So then we quickly cut over to a scene of Marjorie coming in or not coming anywhere. And Marjorie disrobes and shows her boobs. Renly is... More awkward than I am sitting in line at the Department of Motor Vehicles. He, she just, he's like, he's, uh, uh, or like, or like, you know, when you're on the bus, or, on the bus or public transportation or something, and someone's sitting awfully close to you and breathing on you uncomfortably. That's how Renly's acting with fucking Marjorie trying to hook up with him. It's a really uncomfortable thing to watch. And, and but she is I love Marjorie and this is the moment obviously seeing it the first time it's her first episode I love how she handles this situation she she just well would you know would you help would it help if my brother came in or how about I turn around and you think and you can imagine me being Loris okay let me break this down for you I know what you're into but you're gonna need to get me pregnant because you're gonna have to yeah. sa- save your lives for court that's what you're gonna need to do. So why don't we figure out how to do this? Either with me, with uh, me and Loris, he can get you started and fluff you up, and then I can finish I you up. I understand what he's so put off about here and why he's so taken aback. Like, why didn't Loris prepare him for Like, Loris is like, listen, go put a baby in my... You got other things to take care of. Go fuck my sister, he tells him. Like, are you kidding me? Like, they, why didn't Loris already talk to him about this? Listen, you're going to have to get it up. I can be there with you. We can make this work. Yeah, he should... He should have broken it down to him. He should have prepared him for this a long time ago when it really like, comes down on. to it. He doesn't know that you're fucking her brother. Like, this wasn't all arranged through fucking Loris. Like, through the fact that you're actually fucking Loris. Could it be that Renly is just scared to death of of Marjorie when it really comes down to it? So it's... it's of girls, yes. But still, like, that's why I'm saying I don't understand how this wasn't already, like... 
why Loris isn't in the room, why Loris isn't already waiting outside. Loris should know Renly enough to know that this is who Renly is. No, good point. I, I mean, I, I agree with you too. I think Re- I don't understand why Renly is as put off by what she says as he is, knowing that. And I think, no, no, let me rephrase. I think that I agree with you 100%. I think Loris should have prepared him more for this. And I, uh, I guess I would have figured that they would have already had this conversation. And Loris isn't his first either. It's been said that he's been buffing people in court for a while, met other men in court for a while. He's yep. been doing it since he was a boy. He's been with, been interested in other boys. Chris's brothers know. Everybody knows Renly is who Renly is. But there is always been a plausible deniability, which is what Marjorie says. We'll keep that for you. But whatever you need to get you hard and get your semen inside me, we have to do. We yeah. have to do it. We have to do it. for It's best for us, for our future plans. We don't give a shit. You know, we don't fuck anyone you want. I'm your queen. I just want to be the queen. We don't need to talk. We don't need to do anything. I have my own boys on the side. You have my brother or other boys on the side. Who really gives a shit? Let's figure right, exactly. this out. And I, I think maybe just from a standpoint of, okay, one, he's so, whether it's known or not, he, his go-to is to keep his mouth shut about it. Number two, Marjorie probably should have handled it a little differently instead of taking off her clothes and coming up to him and starting to kiss him and really trying to push that first. She should have, she, wait, she should have sat, she should have sat down with him and had a talk with him about it and been like, listen, we need to do this. Let's figure out how to, she should, she should have started with that, not started with the boobs. Well, I think that goes to show how much they don't know each other, how much it is a relationship between him and Loris, not him and her. It's completely arranged. She's doing what she does to seduce men. She knows he's gay, that she's, but she's probably hoping that there is a little bit of bisexuality there, that he can still be turned on by women. Right. That she will be able to seduce him. When she sees that doesn't work, she goes right for the, the what is possibly un- very unacceptable. Now I'm going to have a menage a trois with you and your brother. That's exactly what they were doing in the, in the keep already, the brother and sister thing. So it might seem a little crass to his sensibilities. And it also comes off like she might be insulting him a little bit. Yeah. Oh, talking but down to really him. Not. She's trying to be, open she's trying to be straight- as warm as she possibly has inside her body. She's right. and straightforward and straightforward. And she's cutting through the bullshit and she is just trying to be like, we need to do this. Can I help you? How can I help me help you is what she's basically doing. It ends up being a very touching scene, although it's about all business. It also ends up, I, I do see where she at least feigns or, or, or perfectly feigns, pretends rather, I, that she cares about him and how he feels and all that shit. I think that goes to the bigger issue that we we're talking about here today, Joe, is that in general, he's a really good guy. He's, there's, he's, he's, he cares about people. He makes the he makes the does since his being young. He really to go to something that we found out in the future really helped Brienne out. Always was there for Brienne. Really helped her on the scene that we see earlier in the episode, helping the guy with his foot problem. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he fucked his brother. He's he's a little greedy, a little hungry, got manipulated a little bit. But in general, Renly is a pretty good person. Yep, is probably the best hearted of all the Baratheons and just a good boy. And and she probably sees that, and that's something she can appreciate, and and she doesn't want to make him feel uncomfortable in any way if she can help it. Oh, love Dave says, love the beard, Dirty Locks. He was, oh, thank you. Joe was talking about his beard before the show. He's, he's liking it. I like it, too. I like Joe, I like Joe in, the, in the full beard. That won't last long. 
Yeah, I know. Next thing you know, you'll be that the baby face McCoy and be scary. There might be other things in store for my face. Ooh, hey. Uh, Don't talk about what we're going to do in private time, Joe. (laughs) Anyway, so back to uh, King's Landing, and we get Cersei at 10, or it's Cersei crazy level 9.5 here, where she's, Yeah, like spinning around ahead that smoke coming out of the ears because i think in this scene because i love how Tyrion's just kind of sitting there calm as he smiles and realizes that that it ultimately was paisel that who he probably thought was the rat anyways and got any he, so he's kind of happy about it and he's also happy because he knows what he's telling her is right and on some level she does too and not that it's the actual plan yeah that it's the actual that's yeah that it is the actual thing that he's going to do, and it's he knew that it was going to be him too that that who's got a big mouth to Cersei, so it was also I think the reason why he chose Pycelle to tell the real plan to, that way he doesn't have to tell it to Cersei and hear the immediate no, she can already know that's the plan and he can say ha it's already happening there's nothing you can do about it right. there's it's it's done it's it's done deal Cersei, and I mean whether it was a smart idea to send her to Dorne or not. We can talk about that in the future. But it was definitely a smart plan for him to get her out of King's Landing, considering what's what theoretically is to be coming at by the end of the season at King's Landing. What Tyrion is right to say, what do you want her raped? You want her killed? You want her like the Targaryen children? You want it you want all of that for your daughter? And you want what happened to the children that we're sending Marcella to do you want that to happen to us? Because that's what's going to happen to them. If if what happens is going to happen, if we get invaded, their heads will be dashed against the wall. You know, she'll be raped first, and then their heads will get dashed against the floor and wall. Talk soon, Lola. Have a great night. And ultimately, I think everything, just to go one more thing before we continue with to top it off with Renly, I, I what people in the chat are right. He's a great guy, but not a king. He never should have been filled with those delusions. He never, no one should have even brought, it's just, it's just a shame. It's a shame because, because he might've, he might've been a king one day. Right. There is still time for him to ascend because Stannis doesn't have any male children. Right. So, so he, he might've legitimately became a king one day and might've learned a lot being fighting the fight for a while, actually proving himself to King Stannis or something or trying exactly. to. What The exact thing that, Stannis and Robert had always given him the most shit about has not been the fact that he prefers the company of men, but has always been the fact that he's been unproven, that he has no wars. That, that he, he was a fought. little boy at the time that they were actually fighting the last fight, the last big fight. Okay, Renly, was, Renly was still, yeah, Renly was still a kid. He, he couldn't go to that fight yet. So he had never had his, op- in fairness, he never had his opportunity, but he also never went out to try to prove anything, really. He always, right. he, he, he just was basically good, content at being the king's younger sibling and being... Hey, I'm just around, you know, I'm so happy. And, and, and what Robert handed to him after the war and everything like that, it was it was all gifts. And he was just constantly positive. You're so great. You're so beautiful. You you look like young Robert. Everyone always complimenting him. It just inflated his ego and put him in an uncomfortable, in an unfortunate position because he is a smart, charismatic guy that probably could have been useful in the right situation if he had had an opportunity to prove himself. Agreed. 
Shame. And instead, he chooses not to do and prove his brothers wrong by fighting and proving himself in that war. <laughs> he chooses to to usurp the kingdom and yep. have others fight for <laughs> to him. usurp the one true king, <laughs> Joffrey. So, so status, yes, status for So, okay, so. We get this whole big thing with Cersei going crazy, and we already talked about this. And, and ultimately, Tyrion says to her what we said before. What do you want? Your children raped? Your daughter raped? And <laughs> hilarious. And uh, You can just tell how much, the again, these actors love each other because she just runs up to Peter Dinklage, and she pushes his ass. Oh, yeah. On the stairs. On the stairs. <laughs> Pushes his ass down. Like, like only in the way that Fred's could act in a scene. She just, like, or people that actually hate each other and you're filming found footage. She just. Well, like watching her push her little brother down. Like, I, and, like, I am, like, it looked to me, maybe it was partially because of Tyrion's size. But it looked to me, like, she looked no bigger than him, kind of. Even though she was towering over him. When she pushes him down, it was almost like two little children fighting about something at home. You know, like, like who's going to play with the toy next? <laughs> that Oh, LaDonna says that scene where Lena apologized to Peter afterwards, she thought she'd really hurt him. Yeah, it lo- definitely looks like it. It looks like she trusts him a lot and knew she could do that. And she went a little harder than she probably should have. He trusts her a lot and allowed her to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we've talked about this before. They they live with each other during shooting months on set. They they're like really good friends. So 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 it's a it's just a fun situation watching how much they play hate on this show, and it's it's beautiful. It's it's really beautiful, and I love this moment between the two of them as she just <laughs> pushes him and leaves, and then he leaves. It's just really great. So. Uh, so Nori uh, says she tried uh, to be someone she was never meant to be because she was told by her mother that she should be. Uh, th- talking about talking about Marcel, I believe. And uh, doesn't how also asked doesn't he Tyrion get Tommen out of King's Landing in the books? I'm trying to remember that. Someone in the chat can answer that. I'm not positive. I'm trying to remember. I'm blanking on that. It sounds that does sound from. I think he tries. I think he tries to send him to Essos. Yeah, I believe I believe I think he does. I, I why do I have a memory of that? I do I have that memory too, but I'm just I can't I can't confirm it because it's been a while since I listened to that section. I think he tries to send Toman to Essos, but Toman's brought back. Mm-mm-mm. Ooh, I would love to meet Peter Dinklage. I I feel like he wouldn't want to talk about Game of Thrones though at all. I feel like if I met talk about with him though. I I talk about Nip Tuck. I'd be like, I loved you on Nip Tuck, Peter Dinklage. You're awesome. And I and I wanted you to be in. About, I think I'd talk about. He did a movie where it was like a role playing movie. It was a pretty bad movie, live action role player. There's some like it looked like a lot of fun. Like he was so absurd in that movie. Like. <laughs> oh, I think I know what you're talking about. It's uh, I I really like Peter Dinklage, and I I would I probably wouldn't want to talk about any of his work. I'd just be like, can I buy you drinks all night, please? Okay, so anyway, so we go to a dark room lit only by a candle, and we see Theon looking over a letter. And here we go. I'm going to read you guys the letter. Rob, I hope this reaches you in time. Wait. Rob, I hope this reaches you in time. My father has rejected the offer. I should be more ratty. (laughs) And plans to to attack the north, raiding the shores, (laughs) and uh, taking Deepwood Mott. 
Mobilize your army and make for the north before it's too late. I'll write again when I can. Theon thinks about it for a second, then he burns it. And he decides not to warn Rob of the incoming attack. And how can you blame that either? Mm. Like he's so. I mean, oh, Nori was talking about Sansa. Okay, th thank you, Nori. Sorry. Sometimes I read chat out of uh, out of context. <laughs> oh, what a bastard! Why did he burn the letter? He should have sent it. He should have sent the letter. Do you think? Do you think he should have sent the letter? Send the letter, again, send the letter and then go do what you're supposed to do. But. <laughs> I mean, don't you know? You must know that your letters are going to be monitored. There's no way to get right. That that's letter. probably why he ended up burning it. I don't think he. I don't think he completely. I don't think he'd ever completely drink the Kool Aid. And I think not to. And I'm not going to talk specific, but I think later when we hear from Tyrion, uh, Tyrion later, Theon <laughs> blasphemy. We hear from Theon later. Ultimately, he never fully embraces. If you want to call the Greyjoys the dark side, he never fully embraces the dark side. There's always some part of him that thinks he made a mistake in this moment, burning this letter. He he never, I think, fully. Maybe for a little while right after this, but I think I agree. He burns the letter and then he decides to fully embrace the Greyjoy stuff as we see him get his baptism by salt water and and being welcoming back what is dead may never die but rises harder and stronger as Theon stands and he really looks like he believes in what he's doing. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he did drink the Kool-Aid. What do you think, Joe? Well, I think this is all a setup. Um even giving them one ship at this point, way too much for him. He doesn't know these kind of tactics. You think you should have put him at, he, he should have become if Yara's first mate. Much, yes. If they're giving him this much shit and, and look at you, you little fancy fucking craven boy who gets, who buys trinkets instead of taking them and all this shit, the crew isn't going to fucking respect him or listen to him at all. The best thing is either going to be to keep him at the castle while this all happens, because you don't even know him or what he's going to fucking do. Or send him with Yara with the yeah. I say make him Yara's Yara's keel hauled if you don't listen to everything she yeah. tells you to do and keep your mouth shut. Yeah, I, that's what I say. I say you have him. You you have him go with Yara and learn is what you do. You have him. You go shut up. Learn some fucking learn to be humble. Yara's gonna be the next leader. You know the first female leader of of the Iron Islands. Follow her. Let, try to try to try to help her out and try not to get in her fucking way, Theon. Get the fuck out of here. But I do have to say that this scene itself was done really well visually. And I really liked from a, I liked how how Balon is just looking at it all like he doesn't buy it still. Yara seems a little bit pleased that Theon's going through it. His uncle, who's actually doing the ceremony, seems very pleased that it's going through. And Theon really feel, feels like he's going with it with his heart. I love the the visual of the location that they shot at and I like the music. I, I think it's a I think it's a well shot scene. And uh and I wouldn't always say that about all the Greyjoy stuff. I think the Greyjoy stuff in this episode's really cool with the fireplace and with this. It, when they when they when they spend some time and effort into some of the Greyjoy stuff, it's it's very interesting and I'm I'm into seeing it and learning about it. The Greyjoy set is amazing and I was you know, I'm a little upset that they haven't followed the storyline a little bit closer. As someone in the chat said, storyline, but like the amount of story we get <laughs> from this branch. Joe Vaughn in the chat says it perfect. That was a great scene, but it all went downhill from there. Yeah, it pretty much, it pretty much all the Greyjoy shit, all the stuff you like, 
starts going downhill until it just kind of disappears. Yep, and maybe to rise again, Joe, it, but it might rise again harder and stronger this coming oh, season. Yeah, but his dead may never die. Yes, it's coming back. Beyond's penis is out there alive somewhere. I was waiting. It was only about, I was. I had a time clock before the what's, what's dead. Spoiler alert. No, 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 what's, what rises again harder and stronger. I, I mean, how is that not saying that the Greyjoys are dicks? That basically says... Okay, what is dead may never die. When your penis explodes, it goes really small, but it will rise again harder and stronger. That symbolizes they don't sow their salty dicks. That is that is basically the description of the great Jones. But yeah, ex- exactly. Next, <laughs> next. So back on to we see the fallout from Tyrion's plan. Littlefinger is rip roaring pissed. He he. I just, suppose Hammond Hall. That was all off the table too. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yep. I I love Tyrion. Does that thing that like every. Tyrion's not a kid. I don't mean this in the sense, but I mean every kid realizes at one point when they're arguing with their parents that at first you argue with them back and forth, but you realize what's going to really drive your parent or your teacher or whatever, the wise-ass person you're talking to crazy, is when you just act calm when they're arguing with them, when you're just like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. Oh, and this is where... And Tyrion okay. pisses him off and adds fuel to the flame. This is the only time we ever see Littlefinger really mad. Well, see here, I... And, okay, this is where... I want to say what I said before. Uh, I want to rehash something. When Tyrion tells him his plan, I really don't think Peter Baelish buys it. And I really don't think he actually went and talked to Lysa at all. Not yet. Or, I don't think he talked to her yet either. And I, I, I don't think he did a thing about it. I don't think he really believed it. Ultimately, when he left the room, his decision was probably, fuck that. There's something up his sleeve. I don't know if I buy this. Why is he telling me? Why would he tell me his plans? This is bullshit. And then he sees an opportunity here to try to make Tyrion give him favor in the future by telling him how much he's pissed and how he was. On so you, so so your your speculation here is that Littlefinger's not really mad. This is all an act. This is all an act. This is a. Play I don't of- know if I agree with you, but I think that's interesting. This, this is, I, I don't uh, know if I agree with you, Joe, but I I think that is very interesting. But. On- Rook, ah, but Bishop takes pawn. Mm. By your definition, and again, I can't say I 100% disagree with you. I tend to think that whatever, that Tyrion played him here, and this is Littlefinger upset for the only time, and he kind of gathers his shit from this point on. He goes, no more fucking around. But I can see your side of it, and that's thinking that that's giving Littlefinger, you're giving him maybe the credit that he deserves that I'm not, that I'm giving a little extra credit to Tyrion in this moment. But I, I see what you're saying. And again, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm- it was a draw is what I'm saying. I think, I think what it ultimately ended up being, I think, okay, Varys won because Varys didn't buy it at all. Varys laughed at him. Yeah, Varys won. Pycelle lost and Peter Baelish and Tyrion came to a draw. So you think it's a three bear? You think it's a, you think but it's the three bears thing, right? They tried to make a play back and Tyrion kind of was just like, Oh well, too fucking bad. Get out. So Joe, you think it's kind of like they kind of just drew, but ultimately Tyrion beat Pycelle, lost to Vice, uh, to to the spider, and and drew with Littlefinger. So ultimately, Tyrion is 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 that it's the three bears story goldilocks goldilocks Tyrion, and uh one was too too strong too fast and one is just right and and it seems like the paisel one is just right as braun comes in and announced that they found the filthy old sod and that he's not alone and oh but i forgot to mention in this scene Tyrion says that ultimately 
don't get too pissed off at me, little finger. I need you for the next plan. I want you to go to go to Rob Stark's camp, see Cat, tell her I want Jamie Lannister released. How would you like to see your beloved Cat again? And he kind of manipulates him on that one a little bit. And and so he is ultimately going to try to use Littlefinger to get Jamie released somehow. Correct. Okay, so then we go over to <laughs> They're going to go ahead with the plan to send it to the Martell. So Pizel's in bed with a naked girl and Tyrion barges in and explains that Cersei found out somehow. Pizel immediately, oh, blah, 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 blah. great scene. Pizel blames, oh, it's the spider. The spider. <laughs> and, and Tyrion's like, no, I told the spider. I, I only told you the thing about the Dorn. And Pizel's, I only serve Lannister. And Tyrion goes, oh, served only only Lannister. Lannister even in the days of the Mad King I'm the one that convinced uh convinced Tywin to let or convinced the Mad King to let Tywin in to sack the city that was me mop I served the Lannisters which means he's a, a treacherous treacherous slimy bastard and, yeah. and Tyrion's like I don't like your beard <laughs> cut cut off his beard oh he just slices oh that must have hurt could have nicked his chin. I didn't see any blood though, so it was like a nice close shave. Good it was job. Great. Cut off his balls and feed it to the goats. Oh, we don't have goats. Well, make do. <laughs> right. He's talking to the mountain men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, talking to talking to Shaga, I think it is. I, I love that. I just love the look on I can't say enough how much I love the look on Dinklage's face when he says, Well, make do. It's this is it's a horrifying scene for Pizel, but it's played so comedically excellent because of Bra partially because of Braun and Shaga there and the way that they find so much joy in fucking up Pizel. Because so many times we've seen scenes like this from different people's perspectives. Like we've, we'll see it from a person like Pizel's perspective, not a person like him, but I mean the person being attacked like this and in the in the the hand of the king or the the security comes in and roughs you up. But seeing it from Tyrion's end and being on that side of it, being on the Johnny Lawrence side as he bullies Danielson here, it's kind of it's just kind of weird and it's good. Oh, saying that, did you ever see the video that explain that actually details how Daniel Russo is the bully? Yeah. It's not just the the How I Met Your Mother thing, but there's like an actual YouTube video <laughs> that really details how uh, how how Johnny is the one that is fucked throughout that movie. Is like is just like. He's like the anti-hero almost like like poor uh, John. Yeah, he gets manip he gets villain. manipulated by the teacher. So it's really the teacher that's the villain with Daniel. So I, I actually I haven't seen the video, but I'm going to search that out after the show. So Tyrion doesn't he basically sends uh, sends Pizel off to the black cells after he gets some more information about the John Aaron situation and about how the different hands of the king that Pizel has fucked over and just about everything. And he gets dragged out of there to the black cells and Tyrion leaves a gold coin for the prostitute. And then he realizes that this was just a really extra horrible situation, not to mention having to have to sleep with Pizel. So she gives her another gold coin. Uh, as LaDonna says, Pizel, the gray sucking cunt. Now, that's, now which, <laughs> which, which prostitute is that? Is that one of the ones that gets beaten? Is that the one whose child gets taken? Because she looks familiar. She, I, she looked to me, she looked like the one that got her child taken care taken of okay. one of Robert's, Robert's, uh, bastards mothers. That's who I thought she was, but I could be wrong. It seemed like the same actress. I didn't, I didn't do my checks and balances on that, but 
I th- I agree with you, Joe. She looked familiar. I was like, where she was in a former other scene. Was she one of the girls that Shay was training? And I I don't or is think it from a future scene where she's the, one of the girls from a Joffrey scene. Right later. from a Joffrey scene that we we yet to talk about. I don't think so. I think she is the one. That's my baby. My baby. Take my baby back. No, I don't think it's her. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could now I'm having doubts, Joe. I just I had a I had a doubts moment. I'm like, yeah, it's her. No, it's not her. Uh, I don't know. Exactly. That's what I, I was like. Oh, that's the baby mama. No, no, that's it isn't. Was my reaction. She does. She she did look familiar though. I don't think she. Now that now that we're talking about it more, I don't think she's the baby mama. I don't think she's the robbers because I, I think, think she's. I think I she. I have a vision of her. Tim Timo so. says the one that gets the one who gets beat. Okay. So so they so Tyrion sits then with Varys as we get kind of a foreshadow porn of future future Tyrion and Varys. It's one of those moments that I'm talking about this a lot today because I can ha- hardly contain my excitement for season six of Game of Thrones. But this is one of those moments where again it's even more fun knowing the future of these two's relationship and how the the two of their relationships progresses. You just see. Varys falling in love with Tyrion essentially falling in love with his mind and how par and how much how much balls Tyrion has as a person and Varys says you like riddle and, and also they're balanced the com the comedic the comedic stylings of Varys and Tyrion start here too do you like riddles well I'm afraid I'm gonna have to listen to them it's it's great that you know Tyrion elevates everybody in a scene but when he's with certain actors on this show they perpetually elevate each other to these great moments greatly like like i can just see the director saying okay just keep the cameras rolling everybody out of the room let them do what they need to do (laughs) and just to be clear she's the one that gets beat by Roz. okay now yeah okay I, I know the one you're talking about. Okay, so Bronze a bro, he's awesome. With the strong king and honest lords, Littlefinger might not have made it and it may may have lit Westeros on fire. Yeah, if everything was all healthy and happy, Littlefinger would have like had a conniption fit. <laughs> I can I cannot deal with this with everyone being perfect here. So so Tyrion sits with Varys. We learn that Varys put Shay into Sansa's service for Tyrion because she wouldn't shut up, and uh, he asked Tyrion if. If with Jano Slint and Grandmaster Pizel gone, should he be worried? And Tyrion says, well, previous small consoles haven't served the hands pr- that well, so I'm, I'm kind of cleaning house around here. Varys gets into this elaborate riddle about a sellsword, great, three great men as a rich man, a jazz guitarist, and a sellsword in a room. Each one of them wants the power. Who has the power? Something, something like that. And yeah, no. And what is the answer to that? Power is perceived. You is know? perceived. Is it the, guy, is it priest who's going to save your soul? The guy with the sword. Then why? Then why are kings power? If it's the man with the sword with the power, it's basically a long about sort of way for him to say to Tyrion that you have a lot of power. One small man in his time can cast a giant shadow. And. And we, it's, it's a really fun scene. I mean, we can get into it, but Varys asks who's truly responsible for Ned dying, Joffrey the Executioner. Varys thinks powers and shadows. It, he's just working around complimenting Tyrion and that Tyrion, if he keeps up what he's doing, is going to be a powerful man. It, yep. And is going to be important to him, to Varys. I think Varys is looking at Tyrion as a cog. As, well, he's also, he's also saying, though, as big as your shadow is and as powerful as you think you are, remember, you're still a small man. 
Madonna. Now that whore could act. <laughs> it's, it's even with all the embellishment and the and as good of a compliment as it is, and Tyrion definitely sees it as a compliment. It's a little backhanded. So, no, definitely. Oh, definitely. Totally. It's totally. It's, it's, it's again that Varys is, in my mind, looking at Tyrion as a cog, as I'm going to use you. Ha 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 ha. You little boy. Similar to when the first time, if you're playing basketball against a young cousin or someone you're training, beats you, gets by you for that first time, you're like, a good try. Or you kind of don't quite block a shot you could have blocked and you let them shoot over you. You're like, that was really good. That was really good. But I could have blocked your shot anytime I wanted to. Well, you remember those days, Phil. That's Fuck funny. off, Joe. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. I'm like setting that up, seeing you, seeing you stew, seeing you like wait. wait. I saw the wheels cranking in you right there, Joe. That's fucking asshole. So, <laughs> okay. So the scene now shifts to our end segment of the episode, to Arya sharpening her sword, and she. We see a, a real. See this though, Phil. You did get through those days. No, well. I could honestly, even when you were, even when you were on one foot and ankles, and I could beat people that you couldn't beat. You still had that master student thing on me. Like Joe was a good basketball player. I often talk about that, but he fucked up his ankles because he probably pushed himself a little bit too much when he should have. So, so like it got to a point where he'd kind of play sometimes, but his ankles were all shitty, so he couldn't actually do anything. He's like Jamie Lannister with one hand, and he's like playing around with one hand. But I still couldn't beat him. I could beat pe- like other people would play him. Our friend Steve would play Joe and beat him like fifteen to nothing or something like that. And then you're like, no, Steve. Steve beat you a couple of times. Then I'd play Steve right afterwards and beat Steve. And then beats Steve. Anyways, Joe's gonna be like, I never lost. I challenged Purvis Ellison, the NBA star, to a one-on-one game. <laughs> True story. True story. And then did that did show up. Anyways, okay. So I was you, <laughs> you, you were scared. So we go to the Night's Watch and we see recruits and we see Arya sharpening her sword. We get a really awesome scene between Yorin and Arya and he he offers her some booze and she says, I don't like the flavor. And he goes, you don't drink it for the flavor, to be honest with you. And you get a look on his face. A looking a look of perspective that he understands Arya's been through a lot of shit. And he's like, You shouldn't have seen you don't see the execution. I made sure you didn't see that. And she's like, No, when I close my eyes, I see them all up there. Joffrey the Queen and my sister. Yorin says that he saw his brother stabbed through the heart by some guy named William, a real pretty boy named William. He says the funny part is he can't picture his brother's face anymore, but the more but he knew William had nice teeth, blue eyes, dimpled chin. He had one of those butt chins that the girls like. And I say his name. I think about him before bed. One day, William came back in the town, and I buried an axe deep into his head. And then I took William's horse, and I rode to the wall. That'll help you sleep, huh? (laughs) Ever since. But it's the whole, and I, you know, saying his name over and over and over and over and over again every night as I went to sleep. And you see that, like, clicking Arya's head. Exactly. And that, and we talked about that earlier in the beginning of the episode. But that really is the impetus. And I forgot about that in the future, that Yorin was on the show. In the books, I don't think that's the case. I don't think they have that exact same conversation. And Arya just kind of starts doing it. But on the show, they make a point to show that Yorin is the influence of her doing that. 
So right then we hear a, a horn, a yorn sound, sorry, a horn sound. Something's happening. Yorn shouts to the recruits, get up, you lazy sons of whores, arm yourselves. He tells Gendry. A bunch of Lannister guards that the King's guards had gotten. They didn't have to go all the way back to King's Landing. So, that, so Yorn's caught off guard a little here. They're all caught off guard. They're not expecting them to return so quickly. So fucking quickly. Good point. And there is... If you haven't seen it already, Preston Jacobs in what you've missed in, in episodes 2.3, if you haven't watched his video of that yet, I highly recommend people checking that out. He talks a lot about the differences between the book and the, in the show and what you missed from the book in the show. But in this part, he specifically talks about how Tywin's men are all, or how they're surrounding Yorin. And so Yorin's in kind of a fuck situation wherever he does. And this is a different... And they're, and they're in in some sort of keep. They have walls. Yeah, they're in a keep that has already been ousted by the mountain, I believe. So so they're in... It's it's sort of, in the books, it's a lot more detailed and a lot of a longer... And Yorin's expecting it, and he prepares for it, and he has guards standing Yep. You know, it's not quite as much of a surprise. Big motherfucking Kev. Welcome to the live chat. Great to see you in the live chat, buddy. Good to see you live and uh, and and there instead of a instead of after that, even though I do love seeing you after the fact, too. But it's good to actually see your name rolling around in the fucking chat. So as we continue to the end of our episode, Yorin says, get up, you sons of bitches. He tells he tells Arya and Gendry to run north if things goes bad. Then he returns. To, sh to shouting crazy fucking things at the recruits. You fucking whores! There's men out there that want to fuck your corpses! Yep. So, we see a little blonde kid, uh, Lemmy, or whatever his name, what's his name? Lemmy is God, but what's... Uh, Jemmy, yeah. Demi, Pemmy, what the fuck's this little douchebag's name? I forget, this little douchebag that needed... Yeah, I forget the fuck his name is, but he finds Gendry's helmet, which is was left behind in the panic, and he kind of puts it on. So outside, there's lots of gold cloaks and lots of fighting. People run back and forth, and there are things on fire. The guys in the cages that Arya was talking to, one of them looking very, very familiar, is like, help me, a boy, a man can fight! A man can fight! And Yorin stomps out and it's the three extra special criminals that yes are that to have to be that have to be in a cage or do they want to be there hmm so who knows so ultimately Yorin stomps out to find out what's going on the leader of the soldiers sir amory a bannerman of tywin lannister uh, one of tywin's major people that are out there also the mountains out there but this is this is one of the groups is out there and he tells Yorin in the name of the king what king you're talking about in the name of King Joffrey, drop your weapons. <laughs> I like to have that clarity to know who the fuck you're talking about first. Then Yorin ends up kind of mouthing off and ultimately gets shot in the belly with a crossbow. But he's a fucking badass of epic proportion and says, you know what I hate about crossbows? Too long to load. It starts the fight and takes down probably, what do you say, seven or eight Lannister guards? With oh, he takes them all down. He, he fucking all, all but the couple needed to bring the prisoners to... Heron Hall or wherever. Lomi is his name. Lummy, Lomi. Lumi. Lumi, Lomi. 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 Lomi, yes. So, so anyways, he eventually, he kills the crossbow man and kills a couple of more before, before eventually he is finished off. 
So then we cut over to, which is which is an epic way for Yorin to go out. I don't want to get specifically into it because it kind of all plays out a little differently in the books. So if anyone's to read that, I don't want to spoil it. Let's just say that Yorin does not have quite as uh, glorified of a way of a of a finish. We actually get to but see. It's an awesome finish for the show, and he should have taken out more. It should have been a little longer. I wish that uh, I wish that this scene had lasted longer. That the fight was a little bit bigger. That. But then again, in my mind, pretty much, why does anybody care to fight right now? Why aren't they all just yelling and screaming? That's the one you fucking want. Take them. Because we're all prisoners going to spend our rest of our lives at the wall. If you kill this guy, Yorin, right now, I get to go free, most likely. Hopefully. Maybe I can get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I guess the only thing you can think is that a lot of these people are fucking, as you said, criminals, and but they're idiots, so no one can really mind. There's only, from what we've learned of the people that are all there, the only two smart ones are Ari and Gendry, and they... And, and Yorin. And Yorin, like the three of them, and everyone else is a dumbass. I mean, Hot Pie can cook, but... And, and we got Jakin Agar there, but we don't know him yet, so... So Arya and Gendry run past the cage, which is on fire, uh, and Arya tosses them an axe to help them get out of the cage. And and uh, I wonder if that Ja-Ken will come back. Ken looks, he's smart. He's like, ooh. ooh. I wonder if that will come back. Probably not. Lomi, Lomi, thank you guys in the chat. <laughs> Can we all agree that the uh, prize for the coolest crow goes to Yorin? He, yeah, absolutely. I think Tyrion already de- already uh, crowned him that that Yorin is the coolest crow around. Yeah, no, he was, and right even if you when he talks to uh... <laughs> wait, Joe, what the fuck? What the fuck is what the fuck is a Lomi? <laughs> Sorry, in the words of. Uh, yeah, no, even right from when he starts to talk to Ned at the keep before Ned is uh, chopped, like you get the feeling like the shit little shit he gives Ari then too, like yeah, he, your, your favorite one of your favorite uh, quotes of uh, all of Game of Thrones. You're not a boy. You're good. You're a girl. Not a very smart boy. Not a very, not a very smart boy. <laughs> no, I love I love that. I love that in the execution scene when when he goes and his relationship with Arya is like. It's really started. And like ultimately, this is what I was talking about earlier with the list. I ne- I kind of forgot over time how, not to get too far down in the future, but this how this in a weird way does parallel in some ways her relationship with a future character and other future characters. How she's always someone with another person looking at, after her. And Yorin is almost... He's not like the the hound in, in any way, but they're both wise asses. They both have. They're both kind of funny. They're both personality wise. Could probably one of them is really truly uh, bad, so to speak. I mean, the hound's done a lot more unspeakable. Butcher boy wrote him down and chopped him with an axe and shit. But ultimately, he has to do that, or he gets chopped down with an axe. He's the king's fucking slave, you know, like. There's nothing, nothing, he doesn't have much choice about some of the things he's done. Um, but on the other hand, ultimately, he does have a choice. And eventually, he comes to that decision and makes that choice. Absolutely. Oh, who? Oh, my goodness, guys. I think, I think we got a call. I think I may have missed a call. Let's see if we have a voicemail. Yes, we do. Uh, oh, no, we do not. If somebody wants to call, I will do a better job of looking out. I don't, I had that particular. 
For some reason it did not, for some reason the phone did not ring, you bastard. Why didn't you ring? I forgot to check to make sure the phone lines are working. But yes, if anybody wanted to call back in, definitely feel free. So, and hopefully the phone will work then. Okay, so uh, Arya and Gendry run past the cage. Arya is stopped by by a bald gentleman who takes needle from her. Uh, Hot Pie is also grabbed and they all yield immediately. They... They, uh, they, they want to understand who they want. This place is cursed. Anyways, so one of the guy yells, give me the fucking kid we want. And Ari, everybody's silent. And Aria just kind of looks up and goes, you want Gendry? You already got him. Right. We, 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 we skipped over the part with Lomi where, where after they round up all the kids, after they round up all the kids, help me, help me. My, you're going to have to help me up and carry me. Aren't you now? Well, now you're, you're hinting at it, Joe. Could I know? I think maybe the result probably would have been the same in the end. But couldn't that kid been a little? Couldn't Lomi have been a little nicer? Wasn't yeah, Lomi asking? Wasn't Lomi asking for it? He was absolutely. He's not a lord, son. He's injured in battle with these fucking people who were trying to kill him. Are you kidding me? You're gonna say carry me? What? No, of course he's not gonna carry you. He's gonna kill you. Uh, can you have one of them help me up? Yeah. Sorry. No. Thank you. Wish in- I could be more help. The man you want's right there. In honor of Big Kev, and not in the best way, what a mother dick. You know, like, in the bad way. I'm, we got our call, let's see. Gulu isn't responding right away, so keep it ringing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Hello. Hey, welcome, buddy. How's it going? Pretty good. Uh, I, I, when I was watching your recap, I just realized something. All the guards were looking for Gendry, and yet none of them, like, before they killed anyone, said... Hey, this is a dude. Maybe he's the dude we're looking for. Let's question him first. Good point. It was it was just dumb assery when it really comes down to an egotistical Lannister dumb assery. They were just also, like. Also, uh, could you put up some kind of announcement that you're going to be doing these recaps? Absolutely, I absolutely, dude. Absolutely, dude. Thank you. We absolutely. Will. This was just. Uh, I'll explain that in a minute. But thank you so much for the call. At absolutely, we're sorry. This kind of came out as a last minute type thing. But usually, we will be doing these at least between now and the beginning of The Walking Dead. We'll be coming back. I haven't told Joe yet, but I can say the next one will be this coming Sunday evening at around 10:30 p.m. We'll be doing episode four, and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be trying to doing the, doing them on Sunday evenings around 10:30 Eastern Standard Time p.m. and try to keep. Schedule. Yeah, we're going to try to keep to that schedule till Walking Dead comes back in February, and then we'll probably do a couple more through February, and then in March, we're going to start doing just like pre-season six of of Game of Thrones coverage, like some some uh some hype and maybe a maybe one or more, one or few more littered in there as well but for the next bunch of weeks between now and february 14th look for us on every sunday evening doing the game of thrones uh game of thrones season two stuff okay so bump 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 so here we go and ultimately we can't, we kind of already talked through this little blondie gets killed and as joe mentioned earlier aria is the only one smart enough to just go hey hey yep you got him you got you got him and unfortunately for her she also was she got the, the helmet the there yeah the helmet's there as well which was uh which was a good moment right That's there the where the cuz it just was like that i mean that was the luck of the situation I love that, that helmet 
He loved that helmet. And they buy it, and they take them on, and they're taking them off to, I mean, we know where they're going to take them, but they're taking them off to, to Tywin Lannister at Harrenhal. And she knows, well, it's, it's, I want to point out that she knows that that's how they were going to identify Gendry. Because she heard them say to the guy last week's episode, or the previous episode, the, we're looking for a, a blacksmith carries around a bull's helmet. So everybody knew that they were looking for someone with a bull helmet. They all knew they were looking for Gendry. So it's so story checks out. So it ended up working out really perfect. So Joe, now that we're at the end of the episode, you ready for a couple of little one, a little, a couple of little, uh, some fun facts. Have fun facts. Okay, Tyrion finds out which of the three members of the small council, Pizel, Varys, or Littlefinger, is spying for his sister by giving each suspect a different, unique piece of information and seeing which one of uh, blah blah blah. This method is commonly known, and someone said this in the chat earlier, as the Baryon meal test or the canary trap. The later term was coined by Tom Clancy and has been used in real intelligence agencies for decades. In the novel, Renly's guard is not his king's guard. It's called the Rainbow Guard. Tyrion seeks the care of Grand Maester Pizel for his constipation. Pizel describes Tyrion's con- condition as insacabodious. <laughs> it's a reference to the science fiction author John Holbach Vence, who George R. R. Martin greatly respects. The title of the episode was Dead May Never Dies, taken from a prayer used in the Iron Islands by the Drowned God. The novel doesn't reveal if Theon has ever any intention to forewarn Rob of the Iron throw of, uh, of the Iron Man's invasion. The first episode in which Tommen has speaking lines. According to the novel, Arya, Gendry, Lomi, Hot Pie, and Weasel managed to run away from, from Amory's soldiers. Later, they were caught by Gregor Clegane's by the mountain. Weasel got away. Lomi was murdered while Arya, Gendry, and Hot Pie were taken to Harrenhal. But this is an easy way to sum that up and save time. Yeah, no, I agree. At certain things that they change, I agree 100% why they change it for a television show. It just it, it makes sense because TV is just a different kind of medium that you need to you want to you want to highlight things and they're trying to save time and save shit. So you, but or add but as George R. R. Martin often likes to think those are the the butterflies, the butterfly effect though, and that's what's changing the story down the line. Every little thing that you change. Right, but this this little thing doesn't have to really change anything. But yes, I absolutely agree with him that the, that 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 does happen when you change little things. But there are some little things that, and and they can especially have consequences when the story is not even finished being written. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So according to the novel, Lomi was not injured by an arrow to his knee, but by a spear thrust to his calf. According to the novel, Amory was not looking for Gendry. He picked up a fight with Yorin's band without any provocation. According to the novel, it was not Polliver, but Rafford, a.k.a. Raff Sweating, who murdered Lomi. There was no mention of Yorin's family relatives in the normal in the novel, and the trivia item below may give away a spoiler. Pop singer Lily Allen, Alfie Allen's sister, was originally to play Yara Greyjoy, but she refused the part because she knew that uh, there would have to be some groping going on, and that would well, be that would have been awful. Are you kidding me? Why would they do that? Like, yeah, okay, we'll give you the part. Great, we'll oh. give you this part. Oh. What, you, what sick producers are you? And so, Joe. I think this is as good a time as any. Let's call it. Joe, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about this episode of Game of Thrones. No. We don't have to wait too long. We will talk again about Game of Thrones on Sunday. Everybody in the chat, thank you fucking guys so and girls so much for joining us today. Tim, Noree, LaDonna, Jenny, 
uh, Sam, awesome Sam, you are back. Great to see you. Hope your day in class. Oh, Bass, Hote, so many new people. Add a fan, Timo. Oh, all of you guys were so excellent in the chat today, as usual. Pushing, excuse me, pushing the discussion. It's so much fun just to sit here, and sometimes I get distracted about the chat, and I just want to, like, throw random things that are set, even out of context. I'm like, the chat! Oh, my God! Blah, blah, blah! Just because I want to put it out there, because you guys are so totally awesome. But, and I want to also thank everyone that joined me last night for that, for that experiment of drunkitude, uh, watching the Golden Globes. I really do appreciate that. And also appreciate all of you guys that have been checking out Joe streaming on Dirty Issues oh, Gaming. Which, which reminds me, Phil, I have a... A, a challenge? You want to play a game of football tonight? Yeah, the football is going to happen after 10 o'clock, about 10.30 this evening. Joe and I will be playing on Dirty Issues Gaming. We will be playing a game of Madden. So if anyone's interested in watching that, please subscribe to Dirty Issues Gaming. If you haven't already and you enjoyed this video, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Share it with a friend. You can follow me on Twitter at I Got Issues Man. Follow Joe at I at Dirty Locks. Check out Joe and his dad's website at G4Etc.com. You can see it. G4ComicsEtc.com. Uh, a common mistake I make. And if you ever want to call and leave a voicemail, 781-990-8509. Check out issuesprogram.com for everything that we've done in the past. In time for dinner. Exactly, Critch. I need to go feed my dog. Uh, Jenny, I, we love... Uh, thank you. Love everybody in the chat. We are so lucky. We say it a lot, but we're so lucky to have all you guys. Yes. And so lucky for all your support. We're doing this without you, but having you here makes it exactly. So we be, we be babbling about this shit anyway. <laughs> and yes, Tim, I do have a voicemail seven eight one nine nine zero eight five zero nine. Oh, do I do I have a voicemail right now? Oh, one second before we end the show here. Before we end the show, let's play one last voicemail. Let's see. Think of a question. Did Arya just learn that they were just looking for someone with a bull's helmet and never told Gendry? And it was just coincidence that someone else had that helmet at the time? Or did Arya say, hey, yo, they're fucking looking for you. You better give this helmet. You better, like, get rid of this helmet because, you know, you get killed if they find it with you. <laughs> and, and that was, like, a plan. I'm just kind of curious. What do you think, Joe? I think everybody heard it. That that information was given out when Yorin was being a badass and held the knife to the king's guard or whoever's crotch and said, funny thing about an artery, nobody ever pays attention to the little ones down by your, under <laughs> your knickers, which I might nick, and then you'll be all shit-licked and fucked up with the stick. And one, one last question. Big big Kev wants to know, will Ari get a new sword because she can because uh, she can still use needle, but only as another weapon, not her main one. Mother dick. Oh, I think Arya will always come back to Needle. I think that will ultimately always be her go-to comeback weapon. And because she's a Bravosi and... Her boomerang. <laughs> her boomerang. Yes, it's always going to come back for her. Anyways, love all of you guys. We will be back. <laughs> Phil, you have a voicemail. Yes. Nobody has to tell Arya not to lose her sword twice. <laughs> Good one. I will talk to you guys very, very soon. Talk to you later, Joe. See you tonight. For some football. Raiders, Patriots, baby. Raiders, Patriots, it's on. Talk to you later, buddy. Snowball. <laughs>